Uh, let me get into the podcasting position over here. You should just like hold the microphone in your hand and lean back in your chair like you're a radio host. Oh, I'm just always like leaning back when I'm not talking. You gotta talk to the side of it. I've been looking at YouTube videos about how to podcast good. Do you think there's a podcast about how to podcast? Oh, yes, there are several. <laughs> there should be. How to get rich quick it's awful. podcasting. It should be forbidden. Yeah, how to get advertisers or whatever. The Funko Pops should pay us. Big Funko Pop should pay us. Imagine if Funko Pop made uh, Funko Pops of podcasters. Travis would love to have a Funko Pop of himself. Funko Pops don't have mouths, so they can't make a realistic Travis. We need to stop talking about Funko Pops before I go feral. Books. This is a book that came out in uh, the year 2000. The third book in the series is the longest book in the series in my books. In the novels, write the book in the first book. Books. In the uh, books. Books. The fifth book is about to come out. Two books. And in the books. He does that in the books, too. Welcome to Song of Babies and Puppies. This is the world's number one song of ice and fire reveal podcast this one this time i this time i didn't do a bit in the in the intro we're just giving it to you straight as it is my name is janos aka neil gayman and amanda palmer's marriage (laughs) (laughs) i'm chaz also known as mary chazda Ooh, Ooh. we like that one all right. Oh, <laughs> spicy. She's bringing it this week. <laughs> uh, my name is Emmanuel, and at least we can be glad that Rhaegar Targaryen is still dead. <laughs> uh, my name, my name is Kay, and I am a chinless craven. Ooh, you almost stole mine uh, because I'm a Rainer and I'm a shameless lick spittle with an equally chinless daughter. <laughs> You're in throwing out all of the burns. We're, we're getting all of our nicknames from him. <laughs> Makes you think. I know, that's why I wanted to talk about his chapter. At least he was only thinking them this time. <laughs> Tyrion is epic only in his mind. Yeah, when Tywin is around, he doesn't uh, throw them all out. He becomes a scared man. He was the, the, the vein kid, like, popping his vein on his head because he couldn't say it out loud. <laughs> all his good burns. <laughs> so... I, I didn't prepare a new segment for this week, so instead what I just did is type in George R.R. Martin in, and pull up the first article that came up that also had a Winds of Winter in the title. So this is an okay. article on PressReality.com from two days ago titled George R.R. Martin's sixth book in the series, A Song of Ice and Fire, The Winds of Winter. Catch all the updates here. What are the updates? So here are the updates. I am sure everyone knows about the Game of Thrones. <laughs> Oh, worm. Okay. <laughs> Although okay. most of the fans are missing, there's a huge percent of people who have not seen it. Mm-hmm. But still, even those who have not seen a single episode of God knows about it, and that is because it is so popular. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is how pop culture works. And when I say popular, I mean across the world. The show was an adaptation to a segment of the book called The Song of Ice and Fire. It was written by George R. R. Martin. I'm starting to think that this was auto-translated. I'm nodding. This is all correct so far. This is just factual statements. It was adapted from segments of the book. Yeah, you know what? It's it's true. They adapted some segments. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I think about the TV show Game of Thrones, I think this was adapted from some segments of the book. <laughs> <laughs> now, Martin has already announced the sixth volume of the series and has a title for us already. The name of the book is going to be The Winds of Winter. 
Oh. This article rules. Many are saying the winds of oh, winter. Good. New information. <laughs> so it has been in the workshop of Martin for a long time now. So fans are a bit restless about knowing what is with the delay. And here is everything you fans have been waiting to hear about. <gasps> keep reading to know all about the winds of winter. <laughs> oh shit, you better keep reading. And then there's like a bigger font <laughs> that says about the winds of winter. Yes, it has been a very long time since the book has been in the workshop of Martin. And when I say a very long time, it is longer than you expect. How long would you expect? Ten years? Four months. I 15? think twenty. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> but this article says it has been nine years since the last book, The Dance of the Dragons, published. Although there were no updates for a long time, last month the author wrote that he is in isolation and is spending a lot more time in Westeros. D- does the article tell me what Westeros is? Because I'm a little lost. Westeros is just next to Easteros, and that's all you've got to know. Mm-hmm. It yeah. really is. Updates regarding the book. He has already promised to lock himself up to force himself to complete the book and deliver by the deadline. Release date. And that release date, he promised his friends, is just before <laughs> the Zealand 2020. So this is all the same information again. This is all the same information, but like remixed in a way that is very refreshing in my... It's for like people who have never heard of it before now. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the like peaceful way uh, this author closes it out with the last two sentences are, after all, writing is not at all an easy task. Anyways, let us wait for any more updates. <laughs> so yeah, yes. I agree. Writing is not an easy task. Let us. We will continue to wait and we will be bringing the news weekly and it will be the same news. (laughs) I'm so glad we finally found out what the series Game of Thrones is based on. I'm glad to hear about George's workshop. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I am sick of this segment. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. Don't worry, Emmanuel. Next week, for sure, there will be more information when we do the same thing. For sure. I think think we should should cut out the segment where we talk about chapters and instead just have more news segments. We need more room for news. Our break episode between (laughs) the two books will just be news for two and a half hours. Honestly, we fucked up by making this a reread pod. Like, we should... We could have made a a Winds of Waiter updates podcast. Would have been so much easier, so much less to read. Yeah, but it would have still been a reread podcast because we're fucking reading the same shit. Nice. <laughs> Let's talk about news. Or er, Danny. Danny, fuck, no. I don't want to talk about news. Let's again. talk about news. Let's talk about the news of Danny. What's going on in Danny's what's, life? What's new? Uh, nothing good. Well, some good stuff, but it's mostly pretty shitty. So, alright, quick poll, I guess, before. How, how much do you want me to, like, ramble about moon meteors? Uh... I think we can hold back on that. We can save it for the dedicated fans. Okay. I've been actually <laughs> doing a lot of research this week, so now I feel like I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident in my moon meteor knowledge. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Uh-huh. So, last chapter, Danny was, like... Passing out and being carried into the Tent of Dancing Shadows by Jorah. And right now she is dreaming. And, you know, just like a normal dream. She's having like a, you know, podcast dress dream, basically. <laughs> we get a, like a big series of images and uh, and things going on. The main gist of it is it starts off with a quote from Viserys that um, he's threatening her about waking the dragon it's a, it starts off with you don't want to wake the dragon do you first it's like just she's in a hall and she feels like some cold dark presence behind her and she sees the red door of her like lost childhood ahead of her really far off in the distance uh the phrase repeats then we get a 
image of the Dothraki Sea, and Drogo and Danny have sex, and then, uh, you know, some mean meteor stuff happens, um, and the world gets set on fire. Next, Sorjora appears, and then he, like, turns, he fucking failed his Back to the Future quest, and he disappears. <laughs> like, he just fucking fades away, <laughs> which is pretty good. That's what should happen. Thank God. S in the chat. Sorjora <laughs> fading away is, is a good dream. Yeah. It's foreshadowing. <laughs> he does the peace sign and just disappears. It's pretty good. And then she gets an image of Viserys uh, with his nice golden head, and he's screaming, and he's, like, raging. She keeps running towards the red door. Her feet are leaving, like, bloody footprints on the ground. Next, she sees an image of her son who breathes fire and then turns to ash. You know, that's just another moon meter. Then some ghosts are appearing on either side of her, and they are dressed in the faded raiment of kings, and they have they look kind of Valyrian, except for their eyes are uh, different gemstone colors instead of just amethyst. Then she fucking grows wings, and it's metal as hell, and she is really close to the red door at this point. By now, the line, you don't want to wake the dragon, has progressed to just wake the dragon. She opens the door... She sees Rhaegar. Yoda tells her that all that's in the cave is what you take with you. And then she takes off Rhaegar's helmet and it's her face there. It really, it really is that soon. It's so good. Is Jorah Yoda? No. Okay. It's Mirror Master. Oh, okay. And then that's the last thing she sees. Sir Jorah, his line about Rhaegar, it just says the last dragon that like echoes in her mind. And that's the last image. She wakes up. She's really weak. Uh, she feels like her body has been torn apart and then remade from the scraps. That's weird. Torn apart and remade. Mm-hmm. So like a... Like the moon. Yeah. Like a full metal alchemist. Uh... Danny did some alchemy in this book. She did a lot, actually. <laughs> but she tried to She tried to bring Drogo back, so she basically broke the principal rule of alchemy. Mm-hmm. Danny and uh, Jorah have seen the door, and it, it grabbed them a little bit. But, all right. She's woken up. It's nighttime. Uh, the world is swimming dizzily. That's weird. Then uh, they get Miriam Master, and she, like, gives her some potion. And it tastes kind of like milk, but it also tastes bitter, and she doesn't know what it is. And then she falls asleep again. This time, she doesn't dream. She just is, like, floating on a black sea that's endless. Then she wakes a th- uh, second time. They give her some water, they tell her she's been asleep for a long time, and they give her an egg. She wants egg. Yeah, she wants to hold an egg. The third time she wakes up, it's daytime. She's holding the white egg, and uh, she can feel heat coming off of it, and she feels something move inside it. And she, I think she probably thinks that's, like, strange, but it doesn't scare her. She says, hmm, normal egg. Yeah. <laughs> She's, like, still recovering, but she feels better now. She asks for some fruit uh, and some water, and she starts asking for, like, you know, Miri Mazdur and Jorah, and she just, like, wants to find out what the fuck's going on. She starts, like, kind of remembering what happened before she had her, like, fucking acid trip. All her handmaids are really scared to, like, answer any of her questions, and then... And they're like, well, we'll leave it up to Sir Jorah. They tell her that her son is dead, and that it didn't really live at all to begin with, but they won't answer any more than that until Miri Mazdur comes. 
In the meantime, while she's waiting for her, she feels the other dragon eggs, and she they feel just as warm to her. She gets Sir Jorah to touch them, and he says that they're cold. And she's like, hmm. And she does the thinking face. And then, yeah, Miriam is there, or he asks, uh, she asks Jorah how her son died, and he's, like, pretty reticent. He doesn't really know what to say. He's, like, trying to start to describe it, but then Miri Mesder is like, yeah, your baby was fucked up, dude. It was like, <laughs> it looked like a lizard with fucking little wingalings. It looked like Trogdor. And <laughs> a tail. It was, like, scaly. She was like, yeah, that baby had bad vibes. Is that not what a baby's supposed to look like? She said it was dead for years. It was years. full of worms and stank. Yeah, it was been dead for, like, centuries. God. This baby was dead before you were born. I mean... Yeah. Time travel theories. Mm. <laughs> I time traveled a lizard baby into <laughs> my Khaleesi. <laughs> Damn. Exactly. Well, you know Think how you know how in you know how in late Dune books they like join with the worms and became worm people. It's like that with dragons. And then he goes back in time, and it's actually Tyrion's corpse that's been transplanted into Danny's stomach. Wait. Well, the I'm writing this down. <laughs> This is all spoiler. Like, I don't think we can actually leave any of this in. <laughs> but um, the, like, OG theory is that um, Tyrion, like, gestated in Danny's womb and then was transplanted back in time 30 years to Joanna's womb. And then whatever baby Danny actually had was from, I don't know, the nether world or whatever. Wait, this is a real theory? Wait, is this real? I mean, like, what do you mean by real? All theories are real. I mean, it's not real, but it's a theory. Like, we were just telling jokes. We were just having fun. Are people really saying this? <laughs> yeah, people are like... We were just having a laugh. We were just having japes. People are saying Tyrion is a time-traveling lizard. I don't know if anybody, like, legitimately <laughs> believes this, but... I was just being Joker. We were here in Joker Town, and they were in the real life. No. This is a beautiful world. Alright, fuck. Where the hell was I? Danny had a totally normal, non-metrical, non-time-traveling lizard baby. Yeah. yeah. Lizard baby? Yeah, look, I think there's something to that theory. I mean, the the baby... We'll talk about the baby more when we get to the spoiler chapter, but... Our spoiler fuck area. Yeah, that's what That's the new called. segment name, yeah. The spoiler fuck area. It's just the ball pit from Dashcon. <laughs> Okay, yeah, the baby, it smells like death, it fucking is filled with grave worms, it's really nasty. I wonder what they fucking did with it, but they just, they said it was bad, and then Danny's like, you know, in disbelief, but she basically knew the from the first time she woke up whenever, and, and even before in that dream when she saw her son consumed by fire, that he was dead. So... Jorah also looks pretty bad. He was wounded, and he also, like, saw whatever the fuck was going on in the tent. He claims that it was just Miri dancing alone with some shadows. Um, but, I don't know. I'm kind of waiting for, like, another account of that. I feel like that's probably stuck with him. I'm going to add that Jorah always looks bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Danny is basically like, you lied to me you didn't you didn't tell me exactly what the price would be and miri says that you knew what the price was you just like lied to yourself that it would only be the horse because you were so desperate and danny doesn't really have an answer to that she doesn't know if she did do that or not but she talks about how all the people that died outside the tent and her son and that the price was paid over and over again and she wants to see what she got for it a good husband 
<laughs> a regular man. Yeah. You get what you pay for is the thing. They walk outside. Uh, there's only a few people left out of the Kalasar. The world is, like, really dead and, like, you know, they started off in, like, a pretty barren area, but, yeah, the sun has just, like, baked this land and there's not that many people around. It's mostly, they tell her, it's just, like, the old people and some women and some children and uh, some cowards and people like that. Like, only a hundred people that are left. The Kos that Drogo had were have, like, they named themselves cows and, like, took whoever they could. It says there's a dozen new cows. There's some last year of math for you. I underline that. A number that we are Ooh. interested in. Yeah. <laughs> Important number. Mm. Baker's dozen. <laughs> Little editor's note, next... 30 seconds contain discussion of rape, so content warning. Uh, just skip ahead 30 seconds now. Uh, Danny is pretty distraught by this. She asks about Arroway. She was one of the women that, or girls, that Danny kind of saved from the rape and pillage. And as soon as they were able to, all, all these dudes just like, uh, yeah basically just raped her a bunch and then killed her uh yeah she is very distraught by that she is like very pissed she invokes the name of uh Aegon and and also magor the cruel and says that like she vows that by like every god and the mother of mountains and the womb of the world that she's gonna get revenge for Eroe and that like they those guys are not gonna be happy so yeah, then they they go to Drogo, and he he he's looking all right, you know, he's chilling, he's vibing. <laughs> he's vibing harder than any man has ever vibed. Yeah, he's in like a K hole right now. <laughs> he's meditating. <laughs> the description starts off with he has a dozen blood flies settling on his body, and he doesn't seem to feel them. He's just he's just lying there. He his eyes are open, but he can't see. He's just catatonic. The wound that, like, started off all this bullshit seems, like, pretty healed. There's a scar. It's not oozing a million pounds of pus anymore. Yeah, they tell him that he'll walk around a little bit if you lead him, and he'll, like, drink water, he'll eat food if you put it in his mouth, but he's basically, like, a zombie. So Danny's like, well, this sucks, and she tells Miri that her spells are costly. Miri says, you asked for life, and you got it, and... Danny argues that life is, uh, you know, all the things he loved to do, like laughter and meat roasting over a fire pit and riding around and fighting stuff and, you know, his his companions and his wife and the son that we were going to have. And she asks, when will he be back to that? <laughs> and Mary kind of laughs and says, you know, the famous line that is uh, basically describes it never happening because it's when the sun rises in the west and sets in the east and stuff like that and also mentions uh when your womb quickens again and you bear a living child it's very epic it's important it is yeah it's like some of the most badass shit anybody says in it's, this it's, books. it's epic in the original sense of the word yeah <laughs> yeah and ironically yeah, like epic. A greek epic mm-hmm so Danny's still pretty fucking pissed off. She says, you know, you knew what I was buying, you knew what I was paying, and you still let me do it. And Miri says, well, they fucking burned my temple, they killed, like, my whole fucking everybody I liked. You you didn't really even save me, I was already, you know, 
raped three times before you came by and danny says i still saved your life and miri says look at your cow and see see what a life is without all the rest of uh you know your social connections and and eating food and having a religion and stuff i guess i don't know having freedom yeah freedom yeah and she also talks about how like your son won't fucking destroy the world anymore and and like you know fight a bunch of wars and cause a bunch of deaths so it's impossible to say whether it's good or bad i mean she did nothing wrong pretty much like <laughs> Mary's a fucking hero to be honest i mean and if we saw this from anyone but danny's point of view then Mary mazda would definitely be the protagonist in this situation yeah yeah and that's like i i've been wondering about this because i've been talking to like irl friends who have read the book like many many years ago and have since then seen the show and uh, so they're like conflating show memories with book memories and like one of them was like criticizing george for like basically redeeming Cal Drogo and I, I I I super can't agree with that but like I wonder how much of that comes from the fact that when you read the book you automatically first empathize with the POV's perspectives before you have learned about George's trick so you're just gonna read this for the first time and think about how Danny was wronged. I think you get so used to sympathizing with the point of view characters in other books that you don't even think to question it when you first start reading something like this yeah. probably. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, Danny, she's fun and nice. I like her. I think it becomes like more obvious how George wants you to nudge into a direction of like not or like acknowledge the fact that these are like always inside the POVs of characters and that the, their thoughts are not always the right thoughts. But it might maybe take a bit, take a few books, and then maybe a reread to like read re- read that this chapter from Miramas Du's perspective. Because when you do, you can't say that Cal Drogo was portrayed as not a shithead. Yeah, I don't think this is spoilers, but I'm pretty excited for like the next books. Whenever characters are more POVs are going to be converging, and yeah. we're going to get hope, uh, maybe like you know one or two of like the same scene from different perspectives. It only happens a couple times, and it's very striking when it does yeah it's good so danny is very pissed at this she has uh her servants like tie miri up and she thinks about beheading her but then she's like well if life is worthless then what would i have really if i killed her what would i get for that i would just get ahead so they they take drogo back to danny's tent danny gives him a bath she's like remembering all the all the good times that she had with drogo footage not found Um, and then she takes him outside and, and basically tries to get him to snap out of his fucking catatonic state by uh, making him horny and it doesn't work and finally after the night ends she is like crying and and very sad and she you know repeats the like epithet that miri told her and realizes that drogo is never coming back and she smothers him with a pillow and kills him F. yeah F. <laughs> S. as soon as she finds out he can't get a boner anymore she kills him i know if your husband can't get horny get rid of him <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. 
<laughs> He's never gonna glisten wetly anymore. It is pretty upsetting. She's like, what does Carl Drogo likes? He likes horny. Wow, yeah. even that didn't work. This is so fucked all, up. All he liked was like riding horses <laughs> and fuck and he can't do any of that he anymore. He can't do so either. Better kill him. This, this is so sad. I hope this is gonna be the last time a character will stop being able to do something they like. I hope this is the last time a character that loves to be horny will have his horniness taken away. Uh-huh. Can't think of any. The only time a man can be horny. Have I said that before? <laughs> <laughs> I think every week, yeah. It's good. We like it. Uh, there, do you guys know about Shakespeare? Have you guys heard of this guy? <laughs> Many are talking. Uh, I, know, I know a little. Who? I've been known to dabble. I don't know fucking anything about Shakespeare, but apparently oh, um, I did, like, how many years ago read... Oh, what's her, what's her Twitter handle? Arithmetric. She's one of the Girls Gone Canon co-hosts. And she wrote, like, this whole essay about... Uh, it's kind of... I have issues with it. I think this is why I, like, have excised it from my memory, but I think it does have some good points. But it, like, she basically, like, wrote this essay that to try and support the show ending for Danny, And she highlights this line after Danny repeats to herself the when the sun rises in the west and sets in the east thing uh the darkness cries back at her never 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 and apparently that's a shakespeare call out from hamlet i mean it seems macbeth ish it's a prophecy that seems impossible but may or may not be possible specifically that line there's like a shakespeare line that, oh, okay. that's like basically a rip it sounds of... shakespearean but like i don't know every single line he wrote so i can't i don't immediately recognize it yeah i don't know I feel like i should look into that oh i'm sure there's like a, a ton of shakespeare references in oh yeah um <laughs> it is very shakespeare a lot of it but her her whole thing was that like danny is a tragic shakespeare hero and that that that's why the show ending makes sense which mm. i can't believe george invented referencing shakespeare in a book <laughs> he's a literate boy he he knows his classical references yeah i don't know i mean i do think he's evoking that at the very least i don't think it is gonna lead down to the the show ending but uh, and we'll talk about i guess we can talk about this stuff here yeah, let's talk about this dream. A spooky little dream. So I have, like, my notes about it separated into the myth and symbolism stuff. I mean, there's still symbolism in, like, the character and plot stuff, but the the red door is very prominent, and it's been a recurring image. We know this door. You know, the famous red door. It's a symbol of Danny's like, lost childhood, the childhood that she never got to have. It's, like, the one place that she felt any kind of safety or, or normal or wasn't on the run or or only at the whim of her fucked up brother so it's the place that she's always trying to get back to throughout her entire story and uh when she sees it in this dream it's associated with green fields stone houses and arms to keep her warm so pretty pretty clear there and the reason i i don't know how much do we want to talk about the show because like go wild yeah. Go off. The the thing about the show is that like it basically like paints Danny as having these like the, her like mother half and like her like dragon side, which is the crazy Targaryen side, and that's the side that's all destructive and crazy and will go wild and uh, sicko mode. And, and she does have a nice side, you know. She likes uh, protecting some people, but oh, she killed some bad men once. Yeah, it's it's the slippery slope of killing some bad man and nobody says anything and that leads to killing <laughs> killing some bad man leads to killing 
a ton of innocence. Yeah, just like me walking the line of trying to analyze the show without falling off into feral mode, uh, Danny has to do the same when she is trying to be nice. She accidentally falls off and starts killing everyone. Anyway. Yeah, we should have oh, seen no. it coming Oops. all along. Uh-oh. so in this dream those two it shows us really clearly i think that these two like identities are one and the same yeah in this book her arc is about her being able to like gain agency and protect herself and that's through every like important step on her um thing like we talked about way back when uh she's first married to drogo you know during all this abuse she just can't handle it for like a month she's like on the verge of suicide and then she has this dragon dream and it's i don't know like i don't want to i don't really like the idea of like attributing all of this just to inherent attributes or or some kind of genetic like memory kind of bullshit because i'm not really yeah a fan i hate of, that yeah i'm not really a fan of that i don't think there's a evil tag gene yeah i hate the fantasy bloodline thing i would say that the fantasy bloodline is fake but her believing it is what helps her oh yeah 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 but like believing in not falling on the bad side right well yeah and she she'll argue with that or she'll like wrestle with that a lot more it's not like she's gonna she's gonna have at one point the thought of hmm i might kill someone and then i'm then she's like oh what if i'm a bad target whatever fuck it it's not like she's gonna be the the one slot singing how bad can i be <laughs> whenever whenever she thinks about uh, what a king or a ruler should be. She looks at Viserys and she's like, well, not that. Like, a king should pr- mm. not do what he did, which was terrorize the weak. A king should protect the weak. And that's what she sh- strives to be. Like Sansa in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Is that a theme? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, gonna, when we were talking about Miri, I was going to say that Miri has a lot of the same, like, you know, subtle acts of resistance. You know, the same kind of story that Sansa does almost. She's like Sansa. Oh yeah. Oh, foreshadow. This is foreshadowing for when Sansa in the Winds of Winter is gonna go sicomod on Littlefinger or what? Hell yeah. Yeah, she's gonna dance with with demons and turn him into a lizard baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't spit my coffee all over my fucking computer screen. <laughs> I would love to see Littlefinger turn into a little lizard baby. <laughs> Wait, does it say anything about the baby's finger? It was Littlefinger all along. Oh. <laughs> How small are they? <laughs> was yeah. was the demon baby epic? That's what we need to know. It was kind of epic sounding. I mean, it's pretty fucking like... It's kind of metal. You could put that on a metal album it's pretty, cover. Pre- yeah, I was going to say it's pretty yeah. metal. I mean, yeah. it's like something straight out of Alien. What if that was the inspiration? Oh, I mean, have you guys read... We already acknowledged that uh, Predator is the inspiration for the others. Oh yeah, we did do that. Uh-huh. That was a lost bit in my mind. I mean, have you guys read... Uh, I've, I haven't read all of Fire and Blood, but like everybody in the fandom was talking about the uh, the bit with Araya and Septon Barth. I haven't read it, so I don't know. I've got it. I've got it here next to me, but I haven't yeah, started same. it yet. I, I only read up until uh, Lodos and that... Uh, that was enough for me. Well, if you're if you're a fan of like horrible, terrible body horror, just Absolutely. you could find the entire excerpt online by just searching Aurea. 
Anyway, I don't know how much of this can stand. I want to get back to this dream. <laughs> so the dream in the dream, it starts off like like we were talking about with Viserys, like the progression of you don't want to wake the dragon, do you? into wake the dragon is basically a summary of how danny like because of her own fortitude which like i said wait i don't really like to attribute to bloodline bullshit uh but also especially her adaptability because it's like we saw with viserys he was he wouldn't uh adapt at all to the dothraki he was very stubborn and you know fucking an asshole and danny was able to like you know sort of assimilate and was you know not so rigid and she basically through this like the the dream is telling us that like Danny is going to become what Viserys was like making an attempt at trying to be the worst version of. Danny will like you know fulfill she'll like actually become she's like already you know in the in the stages of becoming like what he was trying to be. And this is uh this is like you know it's inseparable from the red door because as uh, she's getting closer to the red door, the phrase is progressing from Viserys's threat to the wake the dragon thing, which is it's like a her inner strength coming out. You know, first she in this book is basically just doing it for herself, like she becomes her own protector in a certain sense, and by the end of this, she's you know a ruler in her own right and responsible entirely for herself. And in the next minor spoiler, she's going to try and extend that protection to anyone else that she fucking can pretty much so like i do want to say that there's like a possibility there's like you know very clear stuff in here that danny is going to do horrible things like objectively to get to create the red door and to like find it because we get the that callback to luke skywalker in the cave which was you know showing luke that he could become his father he could become evil but ultimately he'll surpass him which i think is the same message with rhaegar oh yeah i don't think denny is never gonna do anything wrong yeah she already has it's just gonna be it's just gonna make sense if she does something yeah bad and it's and it's going i mean when you said that like she always thinks uh, thinks about how Viserys uh, would have been a terrible king, mm-hmm. but she never thinks that way about about Drogo, for example. Yeah, uh, who like would be equally bad because he absolutely does not believe in in protecting the weak. He believes in uh, yeah conquering them, yeah, uh, conquering them and enslaving them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't get that same kind of interrogation in her mind. And I mean, if if she would have succeeded in like uh, going across the narrow sea with the Dothraki and and uh, conquering or, or regaining the 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 Iron Throne, like Drogo would have been her king and uh, would have ruled with her. Yeah, it would have been. You know, we already agreed that Mira is a hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's also so it's in this book, right? The image uh, she like thinks of King's Landing, and there's a fire in like every house, which at the time it's like a nice like oh there's a the windows are lit up in there it's nice and inviting and all the doors are red but people have looked at that again and been like oh well a fire in every window and red doors could be because they're also on fire oh and also there's the line when she's getting close to the red door in her dream that she after she grows her wings she's flying over the dothraki sea and it says that all that all that lived and breathed fled in terror from the shadow of her wings so like I think that Danny is going to like obviously kind of flirt with um and like do some bad stuff and I think she's going to like be on the wrong track for some sections of her arc but ultimately I think that I don't think she's going to end like the show. Yeah. I'm interested in how you said that her like kind motherly side and her evil dragon side are the same when 
the whole point of this vision is going toward her like happy home door and behind it is her big dragon brother like it like it isn't a happy home when she gets there it's a scary night man like danny becoming rhaegar would be kind of a bad thing for her objectively but do you think that she thinks that in the moment of this dream um it's hard to say she doesn't like assign really any um kind of values to it like just like the image of um viserys like you know burning and and screaming and just like how Luke, you know, it was a warning to him to not become like his father, like, show that possibility. Yeah, but Luke understands that it's a warning because he knows that it's bad to be Darth Vader. But Danny doesn't know that it's bad to be Rhaegar. Yeah, she still has to contend with that. That's, you know, she doesn't even really know about her, her own father yet and what he was like really objectively yet. Mm-hmm. I just wonder what the climax of this whole dream, this whole scene, is that Danny can be Rhaegar. Danny can be the last dragon. But I don't know what that's meant to tell us or her. And she's still figuring that out. So, okay. but the point is, is that she is taking on like the responsibility of her entire legacy, like of her family. It is like a mantle that she's taking on, and it's something that you know is kind of terrifying and, uh, but also empower- empowering. But yeah, we're still like trying to figure out what that mantle actually is and she still has to contend with that so i would just say like the book hasn't told us yet i get that okay i understand that now i was kind of questioning like why does danny not think she's the dragon already but then i remember she thought her son was going to be the dragon not her and then he died okay and then the order of the dream makes sense for that too yeah so just to summarize the idea her getting closer to the red door has the same progression as the threat of waking the dragon turning into almost like a command wake the dragon and then she grows her wings and right as soon as she does that she can open the door so like her becoming the dragon is like at least parallel to finding her home which is why i think those two things are at least united if not the same yeah i like this a lot it's kind of like a conclusion chapter for danny's arc in the book i like it it's nice it's it's really i love the language of these dreams this is the kind of do you do you think that there is some imagery uh, that uh, that points to like the the white walkers and the oh yeah for sure and the long yeah, night also because it's, it's icy behind her yeah that the red door could also quite literally just be like the red keep that she is aiming for but behind her like the the icy breath is coming meaning like the long night and mm-hmm. Uh, that she has to escape and probably has to become the dragon to fight. Yeah, that line, uh, the cold is like coming up behind her and she says, uh, if it caught her, she would die a death that was more than death, howling forever alone in the darkness. That's like... Yeah, that's quite like long night imagery, right? That's some good shit. Danny says forever alone. (laughs) Okay, carry on. (laughs) I had a reaction to when you said long night, I had had, like this instinctive brain reaction to say, oh, Brienne, and then I had the other moment where I was like, is it spoiler? She's long. <laughs> She's long. All right. There's more spoiler stuff to say about this chapter, but do we have any other normal things? Danny says dragon do, like it's something I should know what it is. What is that? <laughs> oh, dragon. <laughs> Dra- dragon do what? <laughs> hey, girl, what that dragon do? <laughs> is, is that like short for dragon doo-doo? No, it's no, the, the moisture. No, because she says it like referring to her sweat. Like... Mm. Like, mm. like morning. Oh right, dew, yeah, yeah. Dragon I, re- I, I remember yeah. now. Dragon Dew is like Scooby Doo, but. 
<laughs> what is it? This is the new tree egg. I don't know what dragon do is. Oh, everyone say dragon do in a confused voice so I can cut it together. <laughs> dragon do? Dragon do? Dragon do. Is that like a is that like like a soda? <laughs> Hell yeah, dude, that's fucking... Spicy Mountain Dew. Mother of Mountain Dew. <laughs> it's Dragon Girl Bathwater. No! <laughs> Damn, you could really bottle that. It literally is, because it's just her sweat. It's booty sweat. Yeah? yeah? <laughs> Why did she say that? What is this? <laughs> Dragon Dew, she thought. Dragon Dew. Looks directly at the camera. Yes. Ah, Dragon Dew. It's delicious. It's her product placement line. <laughs> I mean, Dragon it sounds Dew. way better than sweat. <laughs> Maybe it should true. just start using it. I would not drink it if it was co- just called sweat. Yeah. Well, she like she like hands it to Jorah and is like, feel how hot this is. And he's like, I feel nothing. <laughs> there is nothing coming off this. Right, so I'm Googling and I'm seeing that it is a kind of vape juice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Danny vapes. Yes. Okay. Danny vapes. <laughs> I'm gonna f- have to find this too. That Dothraki would definitely vape if they could. Can you say vape again? Vape. Okay, so it says Dragon Dew Urban Dictionary, an alcoholic beverage consisting of two parts each of Mountain Dew and Monster Energy drink and one part of vodka. Mm. It sounds awful. A classic cocktail. It is a dangerous drink and should only be ingested by hardcore partygoers with no intentions of leaving the next morning. <laughs> Danny's a hardcore party girl. We know. We've been. <laughs> yeah, I also found the uh, vape juice. Could you vape out of a dragon? Dragons vape, for sure. But if they, like, drank the vape liquid and then, like, breathed on you could you vape from I that i think you would Ooh. die <laughs> <laughs> not like fire breath like just like warm air you know <laughs> the top review for dragon do e-liquid is this is yet another vape juice that would be perfect on a hot summer day its refreshing flavor makes you feel like you're drinking a crisp iced beverage ah <laughs> i like the one that says if you love how soap tastes you'll love this juice <laughs> <laughs> all right all right that was our vape corner <laughs> nice new segment i guess we'll just never know the answer to this terrible question of what is dragon do i mean i could tell you that it's the the meteors after they have landed because the meteors are also like a rain of blood or a rain of stars so and there's a lot of time whenever dew is described like stars strewn across the earth so yeah okay but why does danny say it because she's a dragon <laughs> Okay, fine. You win this one. She is a dragon. <laughs> I think, I guess sometimes she just says things. Just say stuff. You can just say things. You can just say any word you want. <laughs> you can just say anything. She has a podcast. <laughs> Danny was like, is this a cool thing to say? Cersei was dragon, dude. <laughs> yeah, Danny said that, and after that, she's like, oh, I hope nobody heard this. She's <laughs> just brainstorming for her brand. Sir Jorah says, my princess, you've posted cringe. <laughs> Jorah walks in and says, Khaleesi, Dragon Do. What is that? No, that makes me sound like I'm Jorah. You can't do that. Well, I did it in Jorah voice. Your voice doesn't sound like that. 
<laughs> You're conflating me with Jorah. You're placing me in the Jorah role of the story. No, no right. greater insult has been ever levied against me. <laughs> Before we move on to Tyrone, I'm just gonna uh, share like one observation I had while I listened to the audiobook chapter for this one, uh, because why not? And uh, the the accent that Roy does for Miriam's tour is. It's racist? like halfway between <laughs> vaguely racist and Scottish. <laughs> racist against the Scots. I don't know. Like, can I go off about that fucker for a bit? Like, I don't know how anybody... Sure, his dad. I don't know how anybody listens to that shit. Like, I literally can't... Even whenever he's not doing any voices, just him, like, you know, reading the, the fucking regular text. Like, it's so bad. He... I don't understand. I, I just fucking hate his voice so much. Like... <laughs> I think it's fine. <laughs> it's bad. Get his ass. Yeah, fuck him. How, how, how does he say dragon do? Maybe we can just get that clip. Dragon do? It probably sounds like this. Dragon. Wait, wait, hold on. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's like, like... A, he has a higher voice and a very British accent. This is going to be very offensive. Yeah, uh, hold on a second. Let me, <laughs> British need, listeners, turn away now. I need full silence All to get Scottish into character. Listeners. Dragon do. <laughs> You know, that was exactly how he said it. That, that was something. <laughs> that dragon dew. See, your voice sounds fine. Like, you're so, you've got a good voice, Chaz. His voice is like... Thank if you, you fucking... It's like a washboard with a bunch of rocks going through it and make it British and also old and shitty. <laughs> That's a good description. I like that. I think he also Poetic. pronounced Maggie in like four different ways. Yeah, just Maggie. one chapter. He's valid because I've pronounced Catelyn's name in five different ways at yeah. least. I pronounce everything wrong all the time. <laughs> I wish I could at least be consistent about it. I just just use Welsh pronunciation for everything, yeah. and it's always wrong. Hey, shit! I got a nice segue. Speaking of pronouncing things wrong, let's talk about Tyrone. Yeah. Okay. Wait, no, you can't trick me into cheering for Tyrion chapter. <laughs> to Ryan. Okay, so the thing about this Tyrion chapter is I really like it, so... It's very funny. Yes. It's pretty good. The thing I like about this chapter is that it recaps the battle, but it tricks you, so you don't actually have to watch a battle, which is great for me <laughs> because I hate reading about battles. So it presents itself. It's a bit like a Shakespeare play when they have a recap after a battle that happens off stage and it's just people talking to each other. Which, like, for theatre is very reasonable. Cause... Yeah, why don't they have all the horses on stage? Yeah, so Tywin has been told that his son has been captured. Unfortunately, he is surrounded by clowns and they're all trying to tell him about it, but they're all sort of arguing with each other about battle strategy and all their relatives who have either been killed or have been captured. Uh, first jester is Harris Swift, Chinless Wonder, who's like, how could this happen? Why did Jamie split his camp into three? That doesn't make any sense. That will just make you weak. And then Uncle Kevin is like, no, that's the only way you can fight River Run. Ever heard of rivers? That's literally yeah. the only <laughs> It's called River Run because it's full of rivers. It's running. <laughs> River is running. And they're all talking about that and they're like, shut up, Harris Swift. It's very annoying that you married into the Lannister family. And Tyrion's just watching this and cringing, mostly. Uh, Tywin isn't saying anything while everyone talks. Um, they talk about how scouts have been disappearing mysteriously, which is interesting. Oh, we know about that. Yeah. Gregor Clegane is like, why Why are the scouts so terrible? What if we cut out one of your, the scouts' eyes, making us have less scouts? Because that would make me feel better, I guess. Tywin is still not saying anything. Everyone's talking about all the different strategies that happened in the battle. That meant that they lost. 
The Blackfish led a vanguard, cut down sentries and palisades, they set stuff on fire. Great John Amber did a bunch of like siege attacks, so he burnt down a lot of the siege towers. The camps were overrun from various sides. They had a lot of clever strategy. Um, Tyrion's just drinking because he's like, oh, I'm going to drink and I'm going to know things, I guess. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Uncle Kevin is trying to defend Jamie's battle strategy, although he says that he warned Jamie not to trust the sellsword, who he put in charge of one of the, um, I guess, I don't know what you call it, group of soldiers, um, because sellswords are loyal only to their purse. Which is interesting, because isn't that basically all the Lannisters' allies, basically? Um, uh, Tywin is still not saying anything, and it's freaking people out a bit. Tyrion says he can see tiny beads of sweat on his father's shaven head. He's dragon do it. <laughs> Just dragon do. <laughs> exactly. Lion do. <laughs> it's a thorough line. And everyone's just, like, freaking out. Uh, they're getting more and more hysterical. Adam Marbrand's like, Harris, what do we do now? And Harris Swift posts cringe and is like, what if we sue for peace? And they're like, we can't sue for peace. Tyrion does an epic thing where he picks up his wine and is like, peace, you say? And then he throws his wine cup on the floor and is like, there is your peace, Sir Harris. My sweet nephew broke it. I, I love um, that scene so much. He lives for drama. It's so funny. Yeah, Tyrion does some prop comedy. Do they do that in the show? Because it feels like something they'd love, but I can't remember it. I think he just like casually dropped a, a cup off the, off the table and then so there's your piece. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't nearly like, dramatic enough. Tyrion is a yeah. messy bitch who lives for drama. <laughs> he, li- <laughs> he is. <laughs> He's so good. I, I know... We all hate Tyrion, and I hate Tyrion too, but I do enjoy Tyrion chapters, and I'm sorry. Tyrion chapters are good when Tywin is there, because then you can just hate Tywin. Mm. Yeah, Tyrion chapters are good when his penis isn't in it. It's good when he's, like, acting as a commentator on the politics around him, rather than just thinking Mm. about Shay or anything that happens in the next book. Even the next book has great Tyrion chapters, there's just too many of them. There is some, yeah, there is some, there's just a lot of them. They get a bit the same. Um, maybe that's not true. We'll see. Yeah, so Tyrion's like, there is no peace. Not now that Ned's been killed. And there's nothing. We have no bargaining chips at this point. They have pretty much all the cards. And also, Rob Stark is winning. So why would he make peace? And they're like, oh, but he's just a child. And he sucks. So we'll get him eventually. And Tyrion's like, we have nothing. We only have the Hand's daughters. And we, we're not going to give those back. Because they're not really worth much. Which is mean <laughs> but i guess strategically accurate um everyone's talking about ransoming jamie a big thing is also that they are cut off from retreating to to Casterly rock they don't have a lot of good choices at this point they're like we could ransom for jamie and Tyrion's like if they want money they could just melt down his armor which is made of yeah. gold although it can't be made of pure gold but it's got a lot of gold on it and um everyone's like oh we could ask for truces or we could ask court to send us troops and we could go to Castle Rock and then Tywin just stands up and is like, they have my son. Please get out of my tent and they will have to leave. Oh, he does not say please. Oh no, he says they have my son, leave me all of you. <laughs> and then Tyrion, Tyrion goes to go because he's like, well, that normally includes me and Tywin's like, no, you stay. And this freaks Tyrion out. And he, he's going to ask his uncle for more wine but then Tywin gives him his cup of wine, which is significant and really freaks Tyrion out. He does still drink it though. Yeah, he drinks it because it's wine. And he's like, ooh, tastes like fatherly approval. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, and Tywin's like, yeah, you, you're basically right. Everyone is dumb, but I guess you make good points. And Tyrion's like, well, Joff's only a child. It's not his fault. And Tywin's like, yeah, you made worse decisions. And Tyrion's like, ah, yes, my father hates me. I forgot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Tyrion's like, boys will be boys. Sometimes they just they just cut off someone's head. Which is a strange thing to say about, like, Ordering to execute a man. I mean, I guess it gives him Uncle Bo points. I was gonna yeah. say, I did have to put him on the Uncle Ballot this week. I think he will get a handy second place. <laughs> Out of two? No, there's a third secret one. He's definitely gonna get a handy... Oh! <laughs> Sorry. Uh. No, I gotta, I gotta hand that one to you. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Tywin's like, actually, our position is even worse than you think. We have a new king. And Uncle Kevin is like, what? What happened to Joffrey? <laughs> uh, and Tywin's basically like, nothing yet, which is very sinister. But basically, Renly Baratheon has married Marjorie Tyrell at Highgarden and now says that he is king. Renly, uh, Renly. <laughs> Renly Menchie. Renly's like, I have no real claim, but now I do, so whatever. It's so funny when Kevin's reaction is, what happened to Joffrey? I know. I know, he's like, what? Another king? When? What happened? I mean, that that's kind of what I would say. Like, the choices are either there's a new king because the old king died, or there's a new king because some random guy said, I am yeah. king now. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems less likely. It's also, like, the most negative you've ever spoken about, really. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was doing it in... I was role-playing as Kevin. I wasn't being uh -oh. myself. Role-playing as someone who doesn't love friendly. This is a Kevin I peace over <laughs> if you pronounce his name wrong we will ban you it's kevon um his name is kevin yeah and Le renly brathian is of course the one true king uh-huh uh-huh he's called ren lie because he ren lies <laughs> <No>! <laughs> realize realize renly <laughs> <laughs> ren lies <sighs> okay so cersei has sent a letter to tywin and been like I command you in the name of the king to go kill Renly. And Tyrion's like, yeah, that seems strategically like a very stupid idea. And Tywin's like, yes, yeah, Cersei hasn't even told Joffrey because she thinks that he might go and fight Renly himself somehow uh, by leading the city watch, which is very funny. That would be epic. That would be hilarious. Funny. I know. And then they're all talking about Stannis and they're like, oh, Stannis might do something. We haven't heard a lot about him at the moment, although I have heard that he's got a shadow binder from yes. the shine. <laughs> Just Ooh. regular things like ships, sail swords, and shadow binders. I wrote down Mel exclamation point. The three S's of Warcraft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the three classes you can choose. <laughs> ship, sail swords, and shadow binder. <laughs> shadow binder seems most fun. I like when Tywin was like when Tywin was like uh, the one we need to worry about is Stannis. Like, I, I, you don't got to hand it to Tywin, but at that point I was like, let's let's hear him out. <laughs> <laughs> he also says um, that he thought that Tyrion was made for Motley, but it's actually Cersei, which, mean. Cersei posting clownery. <laughs> Mega cringe. <laughs> yeah, and it's all kind of a bit fucked. They're in the middle of a very strategically poor decision. The enemies have the twins and Moat Kaelin. Rob Stark is in the west. They can't go back to Lannisport because they have to, like, fight their way back. Thoris of Mir and Beric Dondarrion continue to Ooh. plague our foraging parties. We know them. Interesting. I yeah. thought they were dead. Um, 
To the east is the Arryns, Stannis Baratheon at Dragonstone, and to the south, Highgarden and Storm's End, basically mustering an army, which, uh-oh, sounds bad for you guys. And then Tyrion's like, at least Rhaegar is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and Tywin's like, this is not the time for jokes. They, they have a lot of power, and we're in a bit of a snafu. Um, They've been coaxed into it. I must <laughs> coaxed into it. They've been coaxed into the snafu by Rob Stark. I had a moment at that part where Tyrion said the joke about at least Rhaegar is dead. Where I was like, w- w- is he going to come back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the classic comedic timing of saying at least not this, and then it immediately happens. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but we just saw Danny being Rhaegar. So, oh. oh. Ooh. Mm. Themes. Theme. Themes, in fact. <laughs> George vo- Book's voice theme. This it's is like theme. poetry, it rhymes. This is a theme that came out in uh, the year yeah. 2000. <laughs> <laughs> this theme in the series was the last theme in the series. <laughs> he does that in the themes, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay um they're like so we don't have a lot of choices but what we're gonna do is we're gonna go to harrenhal and Tyrion's like i've heard harrenhal is cursed and tywin's like nah it's fine we're gonna set the mountain on on all the like all the small folk from here until there we're gonna set the riverlands on fire it's gonna be really messed up but you know whatever um vargo hote and his free riders will be set off as well um so armory lodge look Lodge. Do we not know them yet? That's the first mention. Drago Ho, yeah, a new man to know of. Amory Lodge. Lodge. Work. I'm gonna keep saying Lodge. Lodge? Loch. Loch. Emery Loch. Emery Loch. So Kevin's like, yeah, okay, we'll set stuff on fire. And Tywin's like, you could set your mountain men also on them with Fargo Hope and they can do horrible things. And Tyrion's like, uh, no, I want them with me because I do not trust you. He doesn't say that, but that's basically yeah. what he says. Tywin's like, well, you better learn to control them, because I'm sending you to King's Landing. It's such a funny ending. Mm. Yeah. It's like a like an 80s comedy line, and Tyrion goes, Bodoy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just like drinks his wine and is like, what? <laughs> He's like, well... I do not trust anyone on the council. Our friend Peter, the venerable maester and cockless wonder Lord Varys. Funny penis joke. Janos enters a lord, which is messed up because his dad was a butcher, unlike me, who is nothing like a butcher. And they've given him Harrenhal. And he's got a bloody spear, but he should have a cleaver because he's the butcher. Owned. Yeah, Tywin kind of doing Tyrion-style jokes here. He's doing Tyrion he show jokes, like... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he should have done something stupid. That would have been more appropriate. Also, a bloody cleaver would also look cool. Like, pretty cool. Be pretty cool. It's, I mean, yeah. better than an onion. <laughs> if you use a cleaver in battle, you actually gain health back from it because it has a, f- because it has a passive it has ability. It has lifelink, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, is, uh, that, is that our obligatory uh, Dark Souls reference? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Tywin says, also dismissing Salmi was a bad idea because he at length... Wait, is it really? Yeah, it's a, not a great idea. <laughs> he, he gives you honor and stuff. Um, the Hound doesn't do that. He's a dog. You feed your dog bones, but you don't make them... Kingsguard. Uh, so it's up to you to go and drain the swamp. I'm sending you to King's Landing. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
if if anyone is doing messed up stuff, I want you and Tyrion's like, oh yeah, I know the drill. I'll cut off their head and put it on a spike. And Tywin's like, ah, oh, I see you've taken a few lessons from me. <laughs> ah, you learned the old head spike walter. <laughs> Proud of you, son. The really the complicated maneuver, putting a head on a spike. And Tyrion's like, you know, like, you- like Joffrey just did. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hmm, I wonder if Joffrey learned this from anyone. And Tyrion's like, I learned more than you know, father. And then he drinks his wine. Oh, he drinking? <laughs> he's oh, drinking. He's... Oh, my God. He finishes his wine and he's like, why not send a bigger man? And Tywin's like, you are my son. And then Tyrion realizes that he's basically given up on Jaime and thinks he's gone and he's dead. And this is what he's been left with, which is Tyrion. And he wants to do something horrible to Tywin, but he obviously can't. And then his dad's like, you can go, but you can't take Shay with you. He uses other words. And Tyrion thinks about it for a bit and then looks out his window and sees Marsha hanging from the from the uh, hangsman gibbet, which it's nice that they've left her. And he's like, oh, sort of upsetting that there's a dead body hanging outside my window. And then he's like, I'm going to own my dad and take Shay with me. This will have no negative consequence. And that's how the chapter this ends. This is so wild. I can't believe that he looks out his window, sees a dead woman that his father killed for not listening to him, and says, ah, I will take a woman by not listening to my father and she will not be killed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Head empty. It's like the most obvious like cause and effect possible. It's the next paragraph. And Tune's like, I do not see it. I mean, this whole conversation is his dad being like, I love to do horrible stuff. Here's some horrible stuff that I do if you're in trouble do some more horrible stuff and then Tyrion's like it'll be fine <laughs> we folks we hate Tyrion I'll say it I don't hate Tyrion <laughs> folks I hate Tyrion <laughs> I don't like him I like to read about Tyrion I don't like him as a yeah. character no I don't like him as a person I like to read about him as a character yeah. there's some good stuff coming up with him and here's, some here's the stuff. number one sentence in this chapter and it goes Lord Tywin was oft quiet in council oh I love that Tyrion himself tried to emulate dude you're not doing it That's you're not so doing funny. it right <laughs> You're not quiet ever. You can't. You're it's not such emulating a lie, it. Because he, yeah. he never stops talking to anyone, and he's constantly he, getting like, in trouble. You failed your objective, sir. A few chapters sir. back, he said to himself, "Like, oh, my stupid mouth. I should shut it more." <laughs> yeah. Like I keep forgetting to shut my goddamn fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't he say he's does. successful at it. Just that yeah. he, he tries to emulate it. Yeah, he's trying. <laughs> Try harder. <laughs> he's doing his best. <laughs> he's not. He's not. Ooh, this something. is his best. Yikes! He's just drinking his wine. I'll never say he's trying his best. <laughs> I think. I think that this could be his best. It's just not good. <laughs> yeah, not oh, saying you it's mean good. Like I'm the... just saying he's doing his best. I'm, I'm like imagining that scene in Ladybird where like Tywin says to Tyrion, "I just want you to be the best version of yourself," and then Tyrion turns back mm-hmm. and says, "What if this is the best version of myself?" This is yeah. it, dude. This is it. Uh, it probably is, yeah. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, this chapter is pretty straightforward, I think. I think this chapter is basically like, here's all the main storylines that uh, that I'm going to use in the next two books. Yeah, like if the last chapter was like summarizing Danny's story, this one is summarizing all the war and fighting, basically. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I like, okay, that. here's one king, here's another king. Tyrion is going to go to King's Landing. It shows you the position of all the different sides and armies as Tyrion yeah. goes through it. You're like, oh, so here's these people over here and here's these people over here. So this is mm-hmm. setting up what all the families are going to be like at the beginning of the next book, I guess. Yes, as someone who has no military brain, I appreciated the summary. Who's the Tyroshi sellsword? Are we supposed to know who that is? No, he never comes up again as far as I remember. Oh, I didn't okay. remember Great. him. I'll erase that underline. He goes over to Rob's camp, but we don't really hear any more details about him. I guess it's just to see it like, okay, sellswords, they are very quick to change sides. and What's the reliable. difference between a sellsword and a free rider? Not all free riders are sellswords, but all sellswords are free riders. Hmm, okay. I'm just going to shout out some funny names. Uh, and I'm <laughs> I'm sure I, I won't it. regret becoming fans of these names. Vargo Holt and Sir Amory Lorch. Mm-hmm. Funny, funny goat sound like goat it sounds like a goat funny do you think he's like a goat that'd be that'd be funny do you think he's a funny character he's I'm probably sure he's a very fun, funny funny guy i think he's some <laughs> comic relief probably yeah that'd be really nice i'd love that what if he rides like a funny horse <laughs> <laughs> fuck if i were a free rider i would ride a funny horse <laughs> it's my choice i'm free at my crazy horse <laughs> I am I'm afraid, not from here. I'm free to choose whatever horse I like, and I will choose the funny one. <laughs> it's very expensive. I had to get it shipped over from SOS. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few random thoughts. Sure, sure. Let's go. One was like the small paragraph that Tyrion is, is thinking about how uh, like Tyrion has like been pushing the whole army and there are uh, there were there are soldiers that are just left at the wayside and some that are that are deserting because they can't keep up i thought that was a good characterization for tywin to make decisions that like seem cruel and harsh but you think okay it's 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 a good tactical decision but he kind of does a little bit too much of it and like he loses the loyalty of his men because of that i mean it's not even a good tactical decision yeah it it ends up being pointless too Tyrion has some lines about, like, well, it was all for nothing then. Yeah. Basically, Tywin got news about what Rob actually did, and then he was, like, just so fucking desperate to go rescue his fail son that he fucked up, like, you know, probably at least 15% of his army just died or, like, left. And it was, yeah, it's definitely one of the, like, pointers that Tywin is not this, like, cool, rational, like, cold, cunning... quite emotional it's it uh, yeah. yeah like if he was if he points, was an, yeah. an epic no emotion plot maker he wouldn't mm. give a shit that they had jamie beyond like having one guy but he's like oh my son they have my son yeah like as soon as as his pride is attacked in some yeah. way he gets emotional and, and irrational yeah my genetically perfect progeny which is back. kind <laughs> of a lannister theme <laughs> god the I lannisters in their damn things <laughs> <laughs> yeah the second thing that was weird to me is was when he said our friend Peter. <laughs> and obviously he doesn't mean friend, but the only other character that ever called him Peter, I think, was Caitlin. Oh, that's like interesting. everyone either calls him Lord Baelish or they call him Littlefinger if they don't have any respect for him. Like just calling me Peter seems so weird. My read on that is that he doesn't want to call him Lord anything in the same way that he doesn't yeah. want to call yeah, obviously. Lord, but but like, he also is he's a little bit mm. too fancy to call him Littlefinger. That's a, a lowbrow mm. nickname. And so yeah. he will call him Peter. I think that's probably it, or George just wanted to like change it up a little bit with the names. But <laughs> Maybe they're just on first name terms. It felt like a weird <laughs> They're both weird like way money money boys. Maybe they do talk yeah. about stuff. 
He's like, oh, keep your eye out for me, mate Pete, back at King's Landing. He obviously has a big distaste for lords that are just, we are made lords recently and are not from like a long line. Yeah. As we see with with uh, Janos Lint right after. So maybe it's also just to show that he doesn't have respect for like him being Lord Baelish. He's just Peter. Doesn't, doesn't he borrow money from Casterly Rock for the crown when he's the master yeah. of coin? Yeah. Maybe oh, they yeah. actually do, like, have some past history talking together. Like a business relationship. Yeah, I mean, if Littlefinger is, like, close to any house, it is probably the Lannister. So if he's working to the favor of anyone other than himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that Tywin would actually consider him a friend, obviously. I don't think Tywin has any friends. Yeah. I don't know. It just sounded weird to me. I think I just skimmed over even it. Even sarcastically. Yeah, just a yeah. sarcasm. Tywin doing a little bit of joke. Janusz, did you listen to this one on the audiobook? Because I bet that sounded weird when he No, said, I didn't listen to this one. I just listened to tear. Petir. Yeah, I know. He, he says him funny. Peter. Petire. Petire. Name Petire. Petire. <laughs> I think when I first read it, I was like Petter Baelish. <laughs> That's I like good. that. <laughs> if it was Welsh, it would be Petter. Petter Baelish. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. The third thing is, I have a personal tinfoil head theory. Maybe it's not the only personal one. That she is actually planted by Tywin from the beginning. Oh, we're honeypotting now. Because, like, you will not take her with you. It's, why would he care? It, it seems to me that he knows exactly that. If it if it tells him not to take her, that Tyrion will take her. Just because he, he knows his son like that. And that. I think he's just... He just wants to be cruel. I don't know if he knows his son, though. I was gonna say. I, I was think gonna say, you don't think he of, knows him that well. Kind of the point of kind of the arc of their relationship is that Tywin doesn't know his son. Mm. Then again, why would he care? Or is it is it just like a he, power play? He talks so. about like the honor of the house and like if you're seen with a blah 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 then how does that reflect on me? And that was the whole point of the his first wife yeah, but he, story. I mean, he will probably visit brothels then if he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. That's like allowed. Oh, yeah, sure. I think he's just worried Tyrion will like make a fool of himself because of it. And he does. So he's right. <laughs> that maybe Tywin is right. Hmm. Much to think hmm. about. I mean, he also says you will not take her to court. So, I mean, I don't know how, how you can interpret it that, yeah, like, you can take her with you, but like keep her out of like the Red Keep. <laughs> As I said, it's a tinfoil theory, so... <laughs> I think a lot of people do not much, things Not like much to support. There's no proof against it, so you can make it work yeah. if you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's nothing in the books that says moon meteors didn't happen, is the thing. Exactly. <laughs> is Tyrion a moon or a meteor? He's a meteor. Both. Yeah, I was going to say he's, he's a meteor. I hate that I know the answer to that now. I've become a different person. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how to organically bring this up, but this is chapter 69 of the book. Oh. <sighs> and he nice. touches a boob. It's mm. only right. <laughs> Which is what 69 is famously about. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you have very lopsided breath. <laughs> It's like whenever in anime, like a girl's boobs, it, like one is flopping all the way up and the other is flopping all the way down when they're running. You, yeah, you can trace that into a 69. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. We solved, exactly. We solved it. We solved it. <laughs> we finally solved the riddle of 69. <laughs> Something that had to be solved. Uh, speaking of 69, should we move on to John? He famously loves to yes. do it. Just want to say the riddle of 69 is my favorite Brian Adams song. <laughs> 
Okay. John Chap. What were we doing with John last time we saw John? Last time on John. Uh, um, uh, he got Oh, sword. it was the Amon. It was the Amon. Yeah, he got he got sword yeah. and then he learned about privilege. He learned about being Targaryen. Yeah. Okay, so last time John was told by Amon that he has to make a choice about staying with the Night Watch or leaving. And now we are here with him and he has made the choice to leave. So John is stealing a horse in the night to run away. And Sam is trying to convince him to stay. Like, you can't leave. But John is saying that he'll just ride Sam down <laughs> and kill him or hurt him, I guess. But he has the right read on Sam and Sam jumps out of the way. And John rides away on his horse in the night. And he's thinking that he has to get to Rob's army to help him. Because now he's reflecting that he's learned that Ned was killed and that Rob is fighting the army to avenge him basically and john thinks that he needs to be a part of this avenging force so he's abandoning the night's watch and he's thinking you know my life is just gonna be a nameless man of no respect at all or honor but i have to do it to avenge my father because he's my dad as much as rob so i need to go and be part of this basically john is just riding his horse uh, south as hard as he can without hurting the horse to try to make time to get away from what he assumes will be the Night Watch coming after him. And he gets past the little town, the mole's town, where the, I don't know, the small folk live. And he gets past there and he thinks about how there's a brothel in mole's town that the Night's Watch men come to all the time. And that's oath-breaking too, but no one cares about that. So, theme. Then once he gets past the village, he has to take a little break for the horse. So he's walking the horse instead of riding it. And Ghost kind of disappears for a while. So John has to stay slower for a longer time waiting for Ghost to come back. And he just doesn't. And then eventually he hears people from the Night's Watch while he's walking. And he's trying to hide away from them. And he hears that it's his friends, basically. It's Gren and Pip and Toad and all of them funny name boys, except for Sam. And John realizes that... Sam told their friends that they had to go and get him and stop him from deserting. And John is hiding and they can't find him. And then Ghost gives away his cover and John gets mad at Ghost. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, all you, all Red my friends. Yeah. yeah. Good puppy. He calls him a traitor, which is very cute. <laughs> I love when people talk to their dogs. But all his, all his friends are like, you have to come back to the wall because that's where you belong and john is threatening them with his sword like oh i'll take you all on i'm seven to one and i can get you and then they all kind of circle him up and recite the night's watch vow to him and basically talk him down from his crazy plan and john just kind of drops his sword and says uh damn you my friends i guess you got me and i'll come back with you and they all ride yeah, back is, in the middle of the night this with is him. where i uh, where i drew an uvo face into my book it's so like, cute i really like <laughs> they're like i belong with my brother and gran says we're your brothers now mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nice imagine if uh sasuke had come back this easily <laughs> Imagine if Sasuke had a puppy puppy. Yeah. God, that would be good. Why didn't Kakashi give Sasuke one of his dogs? He has plenty of dogs he could share. Yeah, redistribute the dogs, Kakashi. Come on. (laughs) Okay, so 
John and his friends get him back before daybreak. So John's like, well, I guess no one knows about it, but I'll just have to wait until no one's paying attention and I can try to run away again. This is my plan. So then John goes back to doing his normal job of giving Gior his breakfast and Dior's like, mm, I see you're sleepy from your midnight riding horse. And John says, oh, fuck, how did John's you know? Like, John's like, no one could have predicted this. <laughs> how did you know what I was going to do? I'm, no one could have predicted that. Can you see the future? And Dior says, I know all my men and all my boys, and I know that you loved your father and this would happen. Uh, honor set you on the king's road and honor brought you back. I like that line where Mormon says that uh, John says that his friends brought him back, and Mormon says, "I never said it was your honor or something like that." Did I say it was yeah, your it's honor? Nice. Yeah, it's 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 kind of epic line to me. It's kind of a slam dunk. Like it's it feels like <laughs> manufactured, but I don't even care. Like it like a yeah. little bit, yeah. but I don't even care because it's so he, good. Yeah. What if he had that saved up for years? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's thinking about it. He says this every time. Yeah. Every time someone's friends bring someone back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he has the same speech that he tells him, just like Eamon. He was so excited when someone deserted again and was brought back. Yeah. Yes, I could travel line again. <laughs> I'm like, I'm imagining like an adaptation of, of just the watch chapters in this book, but it's like Riverdale type show. <laughs> I don't know, like, sorry to not have read another book, but drama. when I yeah. read these John chapters, they just read like Harry Potter to me. They're just like a, yeah. like a kind of magic this boy is, is like, like going to a new little world and he meets all his friends and has adventure. Yeah, It is, is very hero's journey kind of yeah, stuff. Absolutely. I like the but that's why I like them. I like the idea of him escaping with like a little knapsack like Dick Whittington with like a, a red a red scar- scarf on the end of like a stick yeah. and he's like oh I'm on my own now <laughs> Kate did you did you note what uh, Mormont has for breakfast? Uh, he has ham eggs. ham again? eggs he has eggs <gasps> Three brown eggs, fried bread, ham mm. steak, and wrinkled plums. He has ham steak. Healthy. He's also drinking okay. lemon juice freshly squeezed into his beer. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he likes it. Uh, it's tasty. It's gross. Don't do that to beer. John says he crushes the lemon Depends. in his fist, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's called squeezing, John. <laughs> John doesn't know about squeezing yet. But he didn't pee into his beer, because if he said he squeezed the lemon into his Lord Commander's beer, he'd be what? in trouble. What the hell? I've never heard that euphemism. <laughs> Me neither. That's just is your, is your dick the lemon? Uh, no, the balls Don't are the lemon. Don't want to crush that. <laughs> because it's pee oh, that's where the pee is stored, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the pee is stored in the lemon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, alright. So, Dora says, you know, he's predicted that John would run away, and now he's also predicting that John will try to run away again. And John is so mad that he keeps getting read like a book, but... Dior kind of tells a similar to Amon's story about how, you know, your brother is fighting in this war, but my sister and my nieces are fighting too, and it, it's hard for me also, but this is my place, and it's your place too. And John says, I don't know if it is my place. And Dior says that they need to go beyond the wall because of the... He talks about how they've the outriders, the rangers, have been noticing that the wildling villages are all abandoned, and there's strange things going on, and there's a big wild 
wildling army being massed, and they need to go beyond the wall and get the information. So, and Jorn... Even, even like, herds, herds of animals seem to be fleeing south. Yeah, something very suspicious is going on. And they've also seen literal uh, others being alive, so they need to go and figure out what's uh-huh. going on. And Mormont says, you know, when dead men come hunting in the night, do you think it matters who sits the Iron Throne? So we need to be focusing on this more than the war that's going on. And as my steward, you're also my squire, so I need you to come with me beyond the wall. And John says, wow, this sounds epic. I will stay, (laughs) basically. (laughs) And he says, I'll never run again. And Jor is happy with that. And he says, you can even keep my fancy sword. <laughs> That's the end of the chapter. It's nice. It's a nice chapter. I like I like all of John's chapters in this book. They whip. They've all been good. Yeah. I like the chapter, but I was thinking, was it even necessary? Like, I know we, we are doing a reread and we, we know what happens. But... Yeah, I feel like they kind of treaded this ground already in the previous Don't feel chapter. like there is, there is any tension that like, oh, he will actually desert. Like, uh, um, I think there is. I don't know. It's like a, a nice little arc in itself, the chapter. But I don't know if, if any of his characterization would be missing if that chapter just didn't exist. But now Ned's dead is the thing. Yeah, I was going to say, all different. the other Stark kids get a chapter of them mm. reacting to Ned's death. Yeah, this sure. is John's, mm. basically. Yeah. Because it's just like yeah. such an important event to all of them that they kind of all get a chapter of breathing room on it and how it affects them and their choices. Apart from Rob, I guess. I also think that this question of deserting the watch, it comes up again in dance, obviously, and it also, I think, will become an even a stronger draw for him to later. But anyway, that's as much as I can say, I guess. And I think it also really explicitly sets up this, like, Game of Thrones not mattering thing and what matters is the others which I think is important. And I I think yeah, I I guess it it also establishes that oh he he really has people other than Sam that are really caring for him in the Night's Watch. He he has friends which was not that well established I think in the chapters past that anyone besides Sam is like really, really has become a friend to him. Yeah, like John says that... He enjoys... He enjoys the company of F. Pip and so on, but like that they would do something like like this for him. And mm-hmm. yeah, like John says yeah. that if they yeah. were caught gone, then they would all be charged as deserters and killed just like him. So that's like a crazy risk that they're taking to bring him back. Yeah, I think he does also think that they'll be harsher than they will be, obviously, because Joe doesn't actually yeah. kill him for attempting to desert. Because I guess this must mm. happen quite a lot. Yeah, and John says, John's I'm, like, oh, I'm no. not afraid to die. I know the penalty for desertion. <laughs> and George yeah. says, you're not afraid to live either, I hope. He's like, it's yeah. fine. We have like 20 recruits. Don't worry about it. Yeah, like, you, you can't execute any anyone who just thought about desertion, basically. Yeah, like... Oh, uh, yeah, from Jiro's perspective, he's like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, you're a fucking magical boy, like, child of the Starks <laughs> with a big fuck-off wolf, like... You're my very special like, boy. I'm not yeah. going to kill you. I, I, I just gave you a, speci- a special item for your, for your mission. He does look yeah. at the reader and goes, this <laughs> definitely means something. Yeah, and a, a lot of ghost being, like, magic is pointed to in this chapter, because it seems like the whole time John is running away, Ghost is like, literally, he is a traitor. He's like secretly trying to stop him. Mm. It seems like he's slowing him down to get make his friends catch up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting. I wonder if there's a man in that wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought I had. That wolf is a man, though. The wolf. That wolf is a puppy, but he's also has a man in him. 
<laughs> I like this chapter too, but I think like I don't have the exact same grip as you, Rainer. But um, I think that the chapter is just a little long. I don't know. Every time I run into this chapter and rereads, I'm like. It just drags, especially whenever he's like, like you summarized it in one minute of him, like he rides south, he rides past. Yeah, that was ten pages. Yeah, if they stopped him like at the gate of I Castle skipped Black, all of have... John's inner monologue because it's not really events, but there is a lot of monologue of John, like, oh, this is what Tyrion says, this is what Rob was like, the the snow melting in his hair, and we all cry when we read that line. <laughs> Yeah, he thinks a lot, but he also, like, stops to eat some food and thinks about uh, how sweaty his horse is and stuff like that, so. He he eats a small, tough apple. This is important for later. (laughs) (laughs) I like the small, tough apple. It's a good detail. He's like, it's soft, but it's tart and delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Who my monks does? And I I guess the the Molestown world building was kind of neat. And that gets brought up later, where Jor's like, we're basically just writing this off as you went to the broth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I do think, like, I do think the f- the last five pages of this chapter are great. Like from the point oh, yeah. on where, oh yeah, uh, where his friends come to fetch him, and then his like little talk with with Gior is also. Uh, oh, it's fucking shit. great. We it's simply like... love Gior. Yeah, but I agree that like the first like eight to ten pages where he's just thinking is like not the not the most riveting stuff. John is really like, ah, my my dad is dead, but long live my new dad. <laughs> His brother? <laughs> no. His brother dead, yeah. And he, he actually brings up the thing we mentioned about how if he goes to Rob, Rob will have to cut off his head, where John is like, well, he wouldn't yeah. cut off my head. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's like the one part that really that really grabs me for the whole riding south part, the first half. Is whenever he the line comes that he's like he tried to imagine Rob's smile at seeing him, but he he literally can't imagine it because it fucking wouldn't happen, and he knows that. Yeah, he doesn't really have a, a very good plan. This is to, not a good plan. To go about <laughs> this, it's like okay, I I just uh, I'll just don't reveal myself to anyone except Rob and hope he doesn't execute me right away, and then. I will avenge my daddy Ned, and whatever happens after that doesn't matter. Yeah, Jior also mentions that Rob has, like, thousands and thousands of sworn swords, and what, are you so good that you will turn the tide of war, (laughs) your one little boy? Yeah, we get a grumpy, grumpin mention. Yeah, (laughs) got a grumpin (laughs) in your pocket, or are you just happy to have a sword? (laughs) 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 <laughs> I like that part. He and he also calls his sister a snark. Yeah, he's mean. He's like, I hate, I hate my sister. I mean, he's like, she's, but he still loves her. Yeah, I, I love that part. I think I would I... love to see Jordan May hang out. That sounds yeah. funny. Exactly like that. Because I bet she's just as mean to him. Because we meet her and she's kind of a a brash kind of woman. (laughs) Yeah, she rules. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, we meet her next chapter, I think. Hell yeah. The Raven says Benjen. Does anyone Mm. know about Benjen? He says Benjen. He says Benjen. Who? Benjen. Benjen. He he repeats a lot of stuff. War. War. Die. No. This Raven dies and he knows things. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) The part I noted about the raven is when it says the raven was pecking at an egg breaking the shell. Oh yeah, I underlined that. Ooh. Is that anything? Yeah. That's it's something. A, that's a comment hitting them. It's big something. The moon. The egg yeah. shell is the moon, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the egg shell is the moon. The bird is maybe a dragon. the comet. Mm, maybe, the, maybe a dragon. Mm-hmm. Then it would have to have come out of the egg, right? No, oh yeah, it's the comet. 
but the comet is also yeah. Because if it's a, if it's a comet, yeah. then the comet would come out. Yeah, because comets are dragons, but the comets come from the moon mm. when the moon breaks. Yeah. Well, there's the big comet and the baby comet. Mm-hmm. But there's there was two comets because the one comet killed the moon and the other comet's coming again. Something like that. Yeah. There's another comet. It's true. Editor's note. The raven pecking at the egg and pulling little morsels out. It's also the same image as the three-eyed crow pecking open Bran's third eye in his dream and pulling bits of brain out. So that's unifying those two concepts of breaking the moon and opening your third eye. All right, bye. What does it mean when Gior eats the egg? He's hungry. Eggs are tasty. He says or a high. It does say that he eats the egg in two bites and flicks the shell out from between his teeth. Did he just eat like a hard-boiled egg? (laughs) I thought the same. He just like like, crunched on a hard-boiled egg? Like, does it just bite into it? (sighs) That's how real men eat boiled eggs. He was just sloppy peeling it, I guess. (laughs) He's just, yeah, doing a shitty job. Sometimes you miss yeah. a little bit of it. I have never done that. I would never miss maybe, any of it. Maybe he also just, just crushes them in, in his <laughs> end, like the... <laughs> they just... They're all so strong, they just keep accidentally crushing things. <laughs> oh, curse <laughs> these hands of crushing hands. They're yeah. so powerful. <laughs> what, if he, what if he eats the eggs like Elliot's father eats the oranges? <laughs> Put a straw in an egg and just slurped it all up. Mm, you can do that. But a hard-boiled no. egg. Oh, no, that's not. Don't do that. You'd have to suck really hard. You think this guy can't suck hard? He's been on the wall for years. <laughs> damn, you're, damn, you're right. Hard eggs for hard men for hard places. Jira <laughs> <laughs> also says rip to Sir Jeremy Riker, but I'm different. Yeah. Literally, yeah. <laughs> If I bring a lot of men, then surely we can't all be killed by others. Yeah. yeah. But I do like like this chapter and like the Tyrone chapter and this chapter in succession to each other is like a fun thing he does at the end where like the Tyrone chapter ends with, oh, we're going to King's Landing next book. And this one ends with, we're going beyond the wall. I know. And it's yeah, also, it's real, real you know, setup stuff. all of John's boring thoughts at the beginning are also kind of a summary of his plot lines, too. Yeah. So yeah. George is really giving us a bone with, like, if you had trouble reading the, re- the whole rest of the book before this, I'm going to help you by summarizing the things that I think matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, this is going to be the character's struggles. This is John's yeah. struggle. Here, here's John's um, themes, if you're interested. Uh, his family and his honor. Yeah. Have you heard about this? It's maybe a, maybe a bit of a theme in these books. John's a Capricorn. John's bald. Got a puppy man, and I love his little puppy. I don't think it's controversial, but I do think that Ghost is the cutest puppy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> He's the most anime for certain. And I think that John is the most like I am to my puppy, to his. What do you mean? He just, like, hangs out with him and talks to him kind of like a person. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's embarrassing to admit, but I do just say normal words to my dog. No, I think that's normal. Yeah. Decided. <laughs> I talk to my cat all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. I talk to the uh, my housemate's cat, but it's usually I'm saying things like, what do you need? What, are, what do you want? I, I do say, <laughs> what do you want to my dog? And then I just like look at him in his eyes and I'm like, okay, we'll figure this out. <laughs> I fucking warg my dog and I'm like, ah, you want to go outside? No, we are one. All right. Anything else for John chapter? I want to ask, did anyone else think back to the prologue when John like gets surrounded by his brothers and like... Uh... There's, there's seven of them, right? 
It oh yeah yeah Ooh. I mean was it was it seven others that attacked? Uh... It was six, Ooh. but we can. It was six, yeah, right. So it doesn't quite fit, but like the imagery, like it's in the wood. Well, we do the trick in the night, like somewhere, and we do uh, the sneaky trick of counting undead Waymar as a separate okay. guy than a live Waymar. So then we get seven for the others. Oh yeah, it's just pointed out in the chapter. Oh, it's seven against one, and uh, yeah, yeah, the, the whole imagery, and it's like okay, they both Waymar and John are kind of like forced in to fulfilling their night's watch duties in different ways yeah and like waymar's waymar's duty ends by death and john's duty like begins again or could end right there and he chooses different yeah waymar is like you know come on and dance and he fights with his mm. sword and john puts his sword down yeah i think that's probably but important the... because sword is metaphor mm. for dick no, for dragon. <laughs> John, put your dick away. Yeah. So his comment. No, no, just that the the imagery was just kind of similar. Oh yeah, that definitely. Was I think it when, definitely. When reading that, is on purpose, and it's also just a good scene that we like. I just like to think about Weimar Royce. I like him. It's also kind of like they're doing an exorcism where they surround him and start chanting words at him, and he's like, "No, don't do it." But they <laughs> know, yeah. it. and it like takes the evil out of him. <laughs> Yeah, I like the part where, um, like this, I feel like if this was in a Harry Potter book or, or written by somebody different, it would be like incredibly cheesy and stupid and I would be like rolling my mm. eyes, but I, I'm whooping and I love it <laughs> whenever they start. Like some of that's just how fucking cool the Night's Watch Vals are. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's also, of course, like, you know, we actually give a shit about these characters. So That helps. Except for the part the horn that wakes the sleepers. I don't know. That sounds fake to me. Like if you before before the reread, if someone presented me with all the vows and said, Okay, one of these is not actually in it. I'd say, Okay, the horn that wakes the sleepers is, is not in it. It's like, oh I'm I'm the sword and I'm the light and also no sleepy boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean you gotta wake up. It's time to yeah. get woke. You gotta I mean the horn kind of waking something might become actually yeah. Interesting. Yep. But, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. But it's also just like, you know, we're, we're the ones that call people to like, you know, the actual mm. battle that matters. And we also just like, if you're on watch and your friends are sleeping, but you see some bad dudes, you wake them up with a horn. There's six things that they are. I'm disappointed it isn't seven, but <laughs> six is interesting. No, six is also, six is also good because it's almost seven. Yeah. I hate that that's a true statement. <laughs> a number being almost an important number is almost as important. <laughs> well, it's like, what is it missing, you know? I've been looking around for eights and, and nines recently. Might as well. Eight is like Why? a spider, which is a weirwood. There's mm. that. Um, there's the grove of nine. There's the eight Karens at the Tower of Joy. Eight Karens. <laughs> eight Karens? Eight Karens? Eight Karens. Oh, my God. They're calling so many managers. <laughs> <laughs> enough, enough Karens, they can call the manager that is God. <laughs> I'm the, I am the Karen that blows the horn of the manager. <laughs> <laughs> but that also means sucking a stick. Oh my god, that's how you get the <laughs> best service. Alright, I wanted to say... In kind of this chapter, but also a wrap up on all of them, we get this idea of, you know, Danny is like, you know, why would I kill Miri? Like, what would be the point of her being dead? And then in the Tyrion chapter, he talks about how Eddard is worthless, dead now, and there was more value in his life. It's kind of just like running through it. It's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I didn't mm. see that connection. But there's also the, like, reminder of Masha Hedel, who is very, like, symbolically analogous to Miri, and she was killed for no reason, and her body is, like, left out there to rot, and Tyrion is just like, yeah, that one's fine. Tyrion is like, this sign won't stop me because I can't read. Yeah. <laughs> I can't read metaphors. Also, he gets horny immediately. It, does, it, it doesn't put a damper on his style. Yeah. You can't stop him. Mm. But yeah, okay. I don't think I have anything more for the chapter. Speak now, or or we must go to spoiler zone. Too. Me too. Yep. Yeah, now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. God, it does make me scream and shout when there's moons. I will never stop screaming and also shouting. I think I think this was the first week where I saw an Azora High thing and I was like, oh fuck, I understand everything now. I found it and I've cracked through <laughs> the too, case. Me too. Me too. All right. Well, hey, you you two hit me with uh, the things you saw first, and then yes. Oh, I'm so excited that I'm in the spoiler zone now, and I am the one who <laughs> has understood everything. Okay, so I in, have become spoiler. In the beginning of the John chapter, when he's stealing the horse and running away, Sam is the moon, and John is the Azorahai with the comet, who is his horse. So it's like putting John in the Azorahai position. Because it says that Sam stands in the stable door, a full moon peering over his shoulder. And then it also says that Sam's face is as round and pale as the moon behind him. So Sam is the moon, obviously. George gave me that one for free. And then John rides at him with his horse, where we already know that horse is Comet. And then Sam like jumps out of the way and the horse jumps over him into the night. And then John also thinks he hopes Sam hasn't hurt himself He's so heavy on Gainley, it would be just like him to break a wrist or twist an ankle getting out of the way. So he could have broken the moon with his horse stunt. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm connecting this now to our number theory thing from a bit ago. The seven guys trying to, like, kind of capture John, but they're Night's Watch guys, not others. So it's like, if Waymar is a Zorhai, I'm, like, standing and pacing now, I'm thinking... <laughs> <laughs> you need it. You need that brain energy yeah. that you get from pacing. I forgot to mention that when we were talking about it, but whenever Kevin's like his eyebrows crease really aggressively yeah. a lot, like twice, and he's just thinking really hard. Like his <laughs> his his forehead creases like Yeah. His uh brows furrowed as deep as canyons. Yeah. Uh, I'd make that face. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> So if Waymore in the prologue is like, he's Azor Ahai that gets turned into Night's King, and then that doesn't happen to John here because he, he does the right thing. He gives up his, his sword, he goes back with his brothers, and he also, whenever he was tilting at the moon, he misses. And doesn't he's, break he's nice the moon. To moon. He's friends with Moon. Yeah, so I kind of feel like that might be something. I found it, so you're welcome. <laughs> Like I said, George did make it really easy to find, but I was still just, like, jumping out of my seat. Like, yes, I found one. <laughs> yeah, no, because the first time you brought it up in the chat, I was like, 
yeah, because I'd seen that too, and, but I don't know how to connect it. But I think that makes sense as him, like, this is kind of like a first attempt at being a Zorai, and he doesn't do it right away. And then, like, you know, later on he might fulfill it, and that could, again, go either way, like, bad or good. So I like that idea. All right. We'll write it down. Yeah. And Chaz, you were going to talk about the ghosty lords, right? Yeah. So I don't know, like, a huge amount about this. I only did a little bit of reading, but there's a bit in Danny's dream where she sees all these ghosty guys who have swords of pale fire and hair of silver and hair of gold and hair of platinum white and their eyes are opal and amethyst, tourmaline and jade, which is very similar to the names of the um It's like rulers. four out of the eight of the, yeah. Yeah, it's like a bunch of the ones from the Empire of the Dawn rulers who are named after gemstones, and so they're like Pearl Emperor, Jade Emperor, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, which is to do with the Bloodstone Emperor, who I read may or may not be Azora High or has something to do with Azora High because he may or may not have brought on the Long Night. I think that they're the same person. It's never explicitly yeah. said in the text, uh, but we've linked them together as like um, Azora High is like the you know bright daytime sun and Bloodstone Emperors. Yeah, it has a lot of similar stuff. Yeah, it's like deathly name. version of him as the you know the nighttime sun. The true version. His Joker form. Yeah. When Azor High steps foot into Joker Town, this is what occurs. He's like, I'm gonna marry a tiger. So the idea is that like Danny's eyes get called amethyst at some point. So she yeah. And the amethyst empress is the the ruler that the Bloodstone Emperor had killed and usurped her throne. So the idea is that if they were married, as well as being brother and sister, like the Valyrians do, and if the Valyrians, you know descended from the Bloodstone Emperor because they, you know, do a bunch of the same kind of evil stuff with, like, blood magic and, or, like, human experimentation and uh, that kind of, you know, evil bullshit. Then they got their purple eyes from the Amethyst Empress, too. Uh, when it says the, the swords are of pale fire, is that, like, a specific thing or is it just, like, light ringers? Because I couldn't figure it out. So the only other thing that look seems like that is the swords that Jamie and Brienne get in Jamie's weirwood stump dream. Lightbringer is said to oh, yeah. said first it's uh it, it does glow white hot in the moment before he stabs Nissa Nissa, but after it like drinks Nissa Nissa's strength and essence and soul, then it is it burns uh with red fire. I mean, isn't um goddamn the one that Ned kills sort of dawn or something and that's like a yeah pale yeah sword. i was gonna say there's like dark valyrian steel and light valyrian steel isn't there yeah yeah dawn it, it it's white yeah and it it doesn't like it's not fiery but it does yeah i, mm. I should have said uh, or included it but it is is the but it's the dawn rulers so you know connections words connecting words <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Words. No, there's definitely, like... So this connection that you, you saw, like, there's, like, mountains of stuff built on top of this uh, link. Like, it, you know, it, it helps us, like, establish a connection between Valyria and, and the Great Empire of the Dawn. It shows us that the Great Empire of the Dawn was, were dragon lords too. It, like, reinforces that idea because there's already the five forts and stuff like that. But anyway, there's just a lot. And, like, one of those ideas is that these... Pale Fire Swords and Dawn were, like, the original sword technology that the Bloodstone Emperor corrupted and made black swords using the yeah. same or similar technique and then passed that on to the Valyrians. Mm. And it's, it's also cool because it's, like, 
I I don't know. I guess I I said earlier that I don't like the genetic like bloodline stuff, but I do like it a little bit that like you know she gets connected like through whatever on the on the astral plane or whatever whatever dream plane uh to like these old ghosts somehow because of her bloodline and they are like cheering her on and telling her like go faster like wake the dragon faster yeah i just like that she gets that connection through blood but she still has to do all the stuff and be an agent it's not just given to her well, it's more like a spiritual. Oh, yeah, sort I mean, of it's like Danny's like family is cheering for her. It's sweet. We like it. Yeah, it always makes me think of this. There's like a copy pasta from from like a lifting forum that was like this dude talking about how anytime he's having trouble finishing a set, he just like imagines his entire like uh, <laughs> ancestors like extending out behind him, and they're all putting his hands on shoulders in front mm-hmm. of. And they're all connected to him. Very good. Pouring their energy into him. And then he can do it. God, I'm going to remember that one. I just imagine uh, all my all my favorite characters from every video game. Yeah. Really sure. I just imagine every Sonic version. I mean, I, I can't say that I haven't imagined uh, like Joseph and Caesar doing their workout, and I'm like, if they can climb out Clint Pillar, I can finish my set. Yeah. <laughs> With positive, negative, zero. Yeah. I have a uh, hundred Naruto shadow, shadow clones <laughs> cheering me on all the time. Wow, you're so powerful. Sometimes you got to believe in the heart of the cards, is all I'm saying. Oh, man. I'm so proud of us, Chaz. What's finally happening for us. Emmanuel can quit. We understand more now. <laughs> this is this has maybe ruined my life, but we'll see. Oh, gosh. Now my <laughs> brain has jacked into the moon, and I know everything. Hey, it's just it's just four more books <laughs> to go, and it's, there's probably going to be less symbolism in the later books. Uh, nope. <laughs> It just gets more and more esoteric. (laughs) If it only took one book for us to figure out what it all means, I think that we're going to be able to solve the mystery that no one else has been able to in the next four. No, we're gonna we gotta solve the mystery of Dragon Dew. That one we already solved. The the mystery of Tree Egg. (laughs) That one was Frog. We solved that too. (laughs) And we solved sixty nine already. We're just lighting them up and knocking them down. What else is there? Why is Ganju from Overwatch here? We need to solve that one. (laughs) It's because his brother was mean to him. I knew that one from Overwatch. Genji and Hanzo are uh, Stannis and Renly? Oh, I was going to say Clegane's. Okay. Hanzo's not that much of a dick. He's just like a messy bitch. He's just a drama queen. Like, <laughs> oh, he's living for it, dude. He lives for drama. Genji's like, you know, you don't have to be an asshole. And Gen- Hanzo's just like, what if I was just an asshole? <laughs> like, There's like... For no reason. <laughs> Whenever anyone talks to me about Hanzo Overwatch, I just think about that Tumblr post where someone's like, he doesn't have lore, and someone's like, blah blah blah, yes he does, and then they say, uh, like, fanfics about him having sex with McCree are not lore. <laughs> I do want to talk about lemon cakes. Oh. Uh, we are not done with uh, dreams, is the thing. Oof. Uh, Are we not done dreaming? Me and and Chaz have shared what we figured out, but maybe Emmanuel has other things. I don't know. I think we already got it all, but yeah, I thought thought this was like. Janosch, did you not see this fucking wall of notes that I put down in. (laughs) Oh, 
the the thing is did you mute them it's, it's not i have smart. mute the, i have muted them uh, <laughs> i respect it because it's not gonna mean anything to me to read them before you explain it okay so these dreams that uh the dream that danny has you can basically go through it line by line and it's like it's just moon meteors moon meteors moon meteors so it starts off with she's just walking down the hall towards the red door I have kind of a joke in here. It's like another turn the battle 90 degrees thing where the red door is the comet and Danny is the moon and they're coming. She's running towards the door instead of the comet coming towards the moon, but it's the same thing. And the comet, we talk about it entering the egg and impregnating, or, you know, the moon and impregnating it. But the moon also goes into the comet because in the Lightbringer story, it says that all of her strength and her blood and her soul went into the steel. So that's why the sword is the Lightbringer sword is also like the Weirwood. So they kind of both go into each other. So that's her like going through the door. And once she gets through the door, she's becomes Rhaegar. She becomes the dragon. Anyway, that's like another goofy like visual thing, I guess. But to basically just go through it like image by image, she's leaving her bloody footprints. And later on, her fo- feet will be like melting stone. So it's like also first it's like blood and then it is fiery. That's basically like, you know, the moon walking across the earth and melting it and uh, leaving blood everywhere, like the bloodstones that fall from the sky. Next, there's a scene with on the Dothraki Sea where Joga and Danny have some sex, and... First, the Dothraki Sea is described as living, the living plain. It's rippling like water. So it's like the weirwood net. It's like the like an ocean, uh, the green sea thing. I don't know if I, if I ever explained that idea. It's just a word pun. I think, it, yeah, I think it's kind of obvious that, you know, a green sea and a green sea are kind of go together. Yeah. How are you going to translate that? I don't know. You don't need the pun. The pun is just some fun stuff. But, I mean, the under the sea is always, is usually associated with the underworld in myth. Is Osha also a pun for ocean? Maybe. I think it, I think it yes. is, because, I mean, Othor was important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so. It could be actually. It could be like just like a new version of like a Mary, because any any mare word that comes from the Latin word for ocean. So yeah. Anyway, that's a whole nother fucking thing. Point is, is that the sea, the green sea, is like the underworld, which is the same thing as the one wonder- the we would net. So Joga and Danny have sex. This is like the sun and the moon in eclipse formation and the Lightbringer dick entering the moon is like the sun and the moon copulating and at the next line it says stars were smiling down on them and they're in a daylight sky so stars in a daylight sky the only thing that can be is meteors like a meteor shower is the only thing bright enough that will show up in the daytime and look like stars or falling stars the next line the stars disappear and then across the blue sky swept the great wings it's an image of like nighttime coming it's as soon as those falling stars meteors disappear it brings night and then the world takes flame which is the great conflagration from the meteor impacts the whole world like will get set on fire by these fucking by this disaster so that's like a really really detailed image of the start of the long night essentially yeah it's good it's pretty it's pretty fucking crazy. At the end of the chapter, when she tries to have sex with Drogo again, it says that the sky is dark and moonless. Yeah, the moon has fallen out of the sky. Yeah. Oh, I got one. Yes. 
<laughs> then we get the image of Jorah, fuck him, whatever. Then we get the image of Viserys, and this is like, Viserys is like, him getting crowned with the molten gold is like, the molten gold is like the fire of the sun. It's like him trying to get the crown of Azor Ahai and failing, and it kills him. It's like the image of Stannis whenever he looks into the fire and he sees a crown with his, a king with a crown that's burning him. It's the same thing. Like, whenever Azor Ahai's power is like a self-destructive power that, like, kills you, and if you can't control it, or even if you can, it might still consume you, because it's like it's like Icarus flying too close to the sun, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this is like a warning of what Azor Ahai can become, which is, you know, it's in line with the character stuff that we talked about before. Uh, I'm skipping an image. Uh, next we see her child as he, like, would have been. Rago, he's he looks really hot in more than one sense because he starts like breathing fire and then he turns to ash. That's literally just what the moon meteors do. They they come down like a dragon breathing fire and then they explode into ash. Uh, next we get those those ghosts we talked about. She grows her wings and she gets through the she finally enters the sword and that's when be, she becomes the last dragon. She enters the red door which is the sword. And then she wakes up from the dream to the taste of ashes. There's like a second image right after that of a brazier that's in the room with flakes of ash that are drifting upwards. This is like, you know, this is the, it's nighttime. This is the long night. There's a bunch of ash in the sky. Everything, the world is like turned to ash. And it's also a bunch of earthquakes, which is like the line where the the world swam uh, dizzily. That's flooding and earthquakes being described. And everything's covered in ash and tastes like ash. There's also the fact that she wakes three times. I guess that could be like the three Lightbringer forging attempts. Doesn't really tell us much, but it's there. The first two times she wake up, it's still nighttime. And on the third, it's daytime. So I guess it, we've already talked about how Lightbringer like, probably started the long night. But it could have been also used to end it like they do tell us. If it was like, if, you know, Last Hero was a Azor Ahai's son and he like took his father's sword and used it for good, maybe, you know, that's like what the, the human green seers eventually start doing. They start doing, they are using the tree power for good. And that might also be like why the problem hasn't been solved and why there's another long night coming is because he didn't like destroy the sword. He was still using it. So there's some stuff there that like Lightbringer can be used for good i think but it its conception is an abomination and evil yeah isn't it just like inherently evil yeah it's, it's very evil to kill your wife is the thing pretty yeah not good thing. i think it's fine <laughs> and the last thing is that drogo the azor high figure here he's also gone through like a transformation just like danny and he now we talked about this a couple episodes ago. It's kind of like I came up with it off the cuff then, but he now looks and reminds us of those children of the forest that are hooked up to the trees in Blood Raven's cave. That like they'll follow the torch with their eyes a little bit, but uh, they can't really speak. But they like and they're kind of in that same kind of catatonic state. And he also has a dozen blood flies on him that are like Last Hero's companions. Yeah. So you think like Drogo's like soul or spirit or whatever like is somewhere else now, right? I guess, yeah. Um, Where do you think it went? We would have to get into what I think this world's uh, version of the soul is. 
to talk about that. Maybe sum it up quickly. I basically think that Gurm is constructing kind of materialist version of the soul where like blood and flesh, all of it like carries your memories and uh okay so like the opposite of cartesian duality it's sort of like a a unified yeah but it's not like wholly contained in the brain so like whenever aria puts on the face it's just a face it's not any bit of the girl's brain but it does um you know give her memories that uh it just seems like the only like soul and body separation that can happen is when you're a skin changer and then mm-hmm. your body that's like the only time your body is like and even then it doesn't last like you kind of just fade away as like that body of the animal is like replaced with new material i guess i don't know but the trees can hold your soul right yeah the trees are kind of different because they like they don't die first of all the only they have to be like poisoned or whatever to die and even then it takes like a thousand years for them to turn to stone so the weirwoods are definitely special even before you carve a face in them but yeah it's good to me it all sounds good and right yeah sounds right (laughs) would you say like if there's like power inherent in the flesh you say when he's burnt and then that gives the dragons strength or something i don't know in drogo's body yeah yeah it like i definitely think it's like part of the you know the the spell yeah i mean like killing drogo it's like mel's spell about you need king's blood to wake the stone dragons yeah it's exactly that yeah like he's he's a call he's a king so when you kill him you get yeah. the magic that you need to oh yeah i completely missed that amazing mm-hmm. yeah oh we're gonna i mean the next Let's talk about that next week yeah the next danny chapter is actually like foundational for like building all the other th- stuff I don't know. We'll talk about it next week, yeah? Uh, it's, it's good that fun. there's only two chapters yeah. next week, so we have <laughs> we have room to talk about everything yeah. else. All right, yeah, let's talk about something. Introduce the segment, Are, if you're still awake, yes. Yeah, I just died. Oh, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> and I started to it zone out. Just introduce the segment, and we'll let you go, Betty Bye. Yeah, Nush's lemon cake is his pillow that he will soon rest his head on. It's not like... I I actually go to sleep immediately, just my brain stops working. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about lemon cakes, I guess. What's everyone's lemon cake this okay. week? Mine, I'm going to start Minecraft server. It hasn't oh. happened yet, but... Yes, please. I like Minecraft. <laughs> I'm actually terrible at Minecraft. Doesn't matter. You can't be good at Minecraft. No, the thing is, okay, I'm bad at Minecraft because, like... The whole point of Minecraft is here's all the options and things you can do, and I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> There's no objective in this game. I'm not understanding it. <laughs> I mean, I it's like an Animal objective. Crossing, basically, right? My, I can make myself an <laughs> objective in Animal more... Crossing, which is get all the bugs and fish and fossils. I like games where you collect things. I like games where you have a clear storyline to follow. Yeah, Minecraft. I love that shit. Minecraft just doesn't yeah, do it. I like to achieve goals. Like I make I'm a fine until I've I make a building in Minecraft, things. and then I'm like, okay, I beat it. I did it. I made the building. You just keep building more buildings, though, and you also uh, can do redstone stuff and like I, make uh, gathering all the resources. And yeah, stuff I build easier. like a minecart, and then I'm done. I don't even do that though. Normally, when I play, I just do creative mode and just like build bullshit. Yeah. I need to feel in danger to feel anything. <laughs> I was gonna use that segue wow. uh, as a thing to like what, like speaking of fucking 
games that have an objective and shit because that was gonna be my lemon cake i've been playing disco elysium oh. and it's uh, <gasps> that is that is my number one favorite game it is all my backgrounds yeah it's great i don't know what it is it's like basically an isometric rpg that is mostly just clicking on things and dialogue you start as a like very washed down cop in a neoliberal dystopia and you have complete amnesia and you basically get to build your character from uh, from scratch in a way that you can decide of how much of a dipshit he's gonna be like besides his like his dialogue option choices you can decide his, if he's gonna if he's gonna talk about the free market all the time of, or if he's gonna start communism mm. uh, and meanwhile you unravel like a mystery that happened in in this dystopian state and it's very funny writing uh very good writing so good. and it does shit with uh you know ways in which you can tell a story in a video game that i have rarely seen also like i think like 15 to 30 minutes into the game you meet your sidekick and he immediately became like my favorite video game character nice i love Ken so much that's my lemon cake for the week yeah, my lemon cake was this week. And actually, I, I rewatched the documentary that actually came out, I think, almost two years ago. It's uh, from SB Nation. It's called uh, Fighting in the Age of Loneliness. And it's a documentation about basically the history of mixed martial arts, which I don't care for at all. Like, I never watched a mixed martial arts fight or even a boxing match because I don't really like sports where you actively seek to damage your opponent <laughs> physically. <laughs> But it's a, an extremely interesting documentary because it also gets very much into like the the pop cultural context of why it was popular during the 90s and why it became popular again, uh, especially in the in the US during uh, after 9/11 and during uh, the Iraq War and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Huh. And uh, one big theme is also how like it started out as a very like underground bordering on illegal very rebellious anti-establishment thing where mm-hmm. people kind of flocked to that uh, that were fed up with like what the what the mainstream was and how it itself then turned into mainstream and got more and more commercialized and how also it, it gets a little bit into how despite more money getting into it most of the money is only benefits like those at the top and the the working conditions for like the low-level fighters actually got worse so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if you're like me not at all interested in the actual sport or in don't even like watching people fight it's it has a lot to say about culture in general and politics and how capitalism and commercial works or affects things yeah, i'm gonna second that recommendation i watched that back when it came out it's really great yeah it's like uh, it's, it's like one and a half hours in total it's all free on youtube i mean content warning it it has some very graphic images of like uh people being beaten bloody and like i think a broken leg in there somewhere. did you mention who uh who made it uh it was uh john boys and like one of the one of the chapel guys yeah felix biederman who is like from what I know, he's the least problematic one. <laughs> okay, so my lemon cake today. Unfortunately, I'm an evil person with ghosts in their head. My current lemon cake is the collapse of Neil Gaiman and Amanda Palmer's marriage. And I know that may make me seem like a bad person. Sometimes you just need to be a messy bitch. 
I live for drama. I've been following Amanda Palmer's bullshit for like seven years and I'm obsessed with every horrible thing that she does. And this is just extremely good to me. And I've enjoyed all of it from her deciding they're going to get a divorce on Patreon to Neil Gaiman being like, I see Amanda Palmer has told you that we're breaking up and then everyone harassing him on Twitter. It's just beautiful to me. (laughs) I mean, maybe he should have been subbed to her Patreon if he wanted to hear about it. I mean, exactly. He didn't even... You see, the thing is, though, okay, you may not know who any of these people are, but he did fly from New Zealand to the UK, abandoning her with their child in New Zealand during a pandemic, which is interesting. Sometimes people make choice. I thought... I know. I I was almost, like, starting to believe that love is real, but now that I know (laughs) that these two awful people can't even make it work... (laughs) Like, what's the point? Two people even? with, like, very <laughs> terrible personalities can't stay yeah. together. What, what hope is there for the rest of us? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's me. Um, Have you been, like, other pe- keeping an eye on... Because it's been popping into, like, other channels in the HKIP Discord and someone posted a tweet about the nightmare scenario of uh, Neil Gaiman getting together with Grimes now and Amanda Palmer with <laughs> Musk. What the fuck? Oh, my God. <laughs> Just think about it. <laughs> I won't. I'm just, I refuse. just turning it over in my mind. I'm deleting it. Okay, so like many of us right now, I don't have a job that I go to because of disease. So a lot of my days, I'm like, uh, I feel like I haven't accomplished anything or done anything with my day because I can't really go and do anything. So I've been playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> Yes. And every day I log on and do all my missions and I go to bed and I say, yes, I did all my missions for the day. And it makes me just feel a little bit like my life is doing something right now. You know, could I mention this quite easier? But like a thing where I'm justifying it to myself that I'm playing it uh, when I could do something useful is that I'm in media studies. So I can like justify it to myself by maybe I'm going to write my master's thesis about it and then it's research. <laughs> I'm researching. I'm studying this media. Yeah. <laughs> that That's me with a lot of things. I'm like, I could somehow put this into my dissertation. I don't know how yet, but maybe... No, I'm just playing World of Warcraft. I see my number go up, and I smile. I unlock a new dragon to ride, and I say, I like it. Nice. It's good to me. Speaking of dragons, do you want to shout out our new podcast, Chaz? Um, yeah, so, terrible news, everyone, which is that me and Yana are just starting a new podcast <laughs> with some of my friends. Um, called Who Watches the Watch, which is a Terry Pratchett's Discworld The Watch series reread slash watch of the new The Watch television series and comparing them and talking about how much we hate everything about the new Watch series. The first episode (laughs) should be out by the time this is out. So yeah, check that out if you're interested in that. The first episode is just like a, I don't know, just a discussion really um, about what we're going to talk about going forward. We just talk like an hour and a half about four images that were released of the TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Cool beans. What about your Scooby-Doo and stuff? (laughs) Sufjan? Yeah, listen to those. You can can listen to those if you want. You heard of them. You You know about it. You already listened to them. them. We just uh, finished uh, 
just finished Illinois. Uh, while this podcast was recording, we hit 500 downloads. So uh, oh. thank you, everyone. <laughs> Yay! Big. <laughs> We're watching the new Scooby-Doo movies, which is like old Scooby-Doo, but longer and worse. <laughs> There's just three Stooges in them and Batman. Yeah, the three Stooges are in it, except not really, because they're dead. Unlucky. <laughs> All right. Uh, fuck Taiwan, fuck Jorah, fuck Littlefinger. Yeah, fuck all those guys. Um, Jorah. Fuck him. Fuck Jorah. Fuck Jorah. Jorah fade away into nothingness challenge. The Miramasdur <laughs> did nothing wrong. <laughs> Jorah become Ash. Kadrogo had it coming. I'm fine with it. It's allowed. Bye, I love Three you. hours, 20 minutes. Bye. Just another kind of life I don't expect it to